And now, introducing it's 2-2-2-2-2 Tuesday. Today, Junior, he hates Adam Sandler because much like Tom Brady, he's just too good. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning, it's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn, he's Paul. Papa Cass is here as well. Resplendent in her Kyle Korver jersey that she wore today. And I, I remarked about how random it was, and she was very defensive about it. It's a very random selection of jersey. Is it okay? Can you tell the truth? Basketball player or attractive uh, gentleman? Uh, we need, we need, uh, we need, yeah. Basketball player. Okay, so you don't find him attractive. I think he's attractive, but he's. It's He's it's his basketball that you yeah. like so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem very convincing. No, it is. I mean, it helps that he is slightly like attractive. Okay. You know what I mean? He's okay. tall, attractive. <laughs> He's, it I, helps. Look, I'm not. I'm not. You're not. I'm. No, you're not under investigation here. It was just. It was the first time I had seen the Kyle Korver jersey, and it. I, I'll be honest with you. You're the first human I've ever come in contact with wearing <laughs> a Kyle Cor- Korver jersey. So that was the reason you got that reaction. Much to do on the program today. Coming up in a few minutes, the legendary Gary Williams will join us. Uh, Maryland is celebrating the 20th anniversary of um, their national championship run this coming Sunday uh, down at Xfinity Center. And uh, Gary, of course, the head coach of that team, you probably know that because you picked up the uh, print issue of Press Box, which is available right now with Gary Williams on the cover as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of that national championship run. But we'll uh, catch up with Gary, not only obviously to talk about that, but also to talk about what's going on and Maryland needing a coach and the Juwan Howard thing. Of course, um, the news last night, Juwan Howard, you know, I'll admit I. I certainly, you know, as I said yesterday, did not expect or, or think it was warranted for him to lose his job. But I'm still surprised that it's just the regular season. I'll admit that. I, I thought it would have been the rest of the year, whatever that meant. And, you know, there's no guarantee that Michigan's going to be in. And, and who knows what that looks like. But we definitely know he's back for the Big Ten tournament. And that surprises me, is all I'll say. It surprises me. I thought it would definitely be until the end of the year. But not remotely surprised by the fact that um, you know, the, 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 I know we had a debate yesterday, and again, I say not remotely surprised. If there had been more, if if there had been more problems behind the scenes, then I then I wouldn't have been surprised by them firing. But with with the knowledge that we had just from that incident, not remotely surprised that he did not lose his job because of this. Um, but Juwan Howard will be uh, out for five games to wrap up the regular season. And then he will be able to return for the postseason, wherever that means for Michigan. So that's that. We'll talk about it with Gary Williams if he thought that was appropriate as far as a penalty is concerned. Uh, later on, we'll chat with Patrick Stevens. Of course, we'll do our weekly College Hoops, College Lacrosse conversation with him. And uh, also, we will chat with Brian McFarland, uh, Raven Salary Cap on Twitter. Of course, um, Russell Street Reports, where you see his stuff. We will get sort of an overview of what's to come in the next few weeks as far as the Baltimore Ravens making decisions, what they need to do in order to get to where they need to be cap-wise, who's actually on the chopping block, who's going to end up getting an extension or something along those lines. We will have that conversation with Brian McFarland here in a bit. So that's all on tap. I should have probably pointed out you can go get this print issue at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. All right, let's knock out a few things here at the top of the program. Number one, um, Maryland got a win last night. 
So that's neat. They beat Penn State. I had a couple people reach out to me and say, you know, they're, they're playing better. You go back to that Purdue game that they nearly won on the road and now a couple of wins. Is it possible that, that Danny Manning's in the conversation? Well, you know, what did Kevin Garnett tell us? Anything is possible. Would I be surprised by that? Yeah, I'd be very surprised by it. I'd be extraordinarily surprised by it. This this alone, beating, let's be honest, bad teams doesn't suddenly make someone a qualified Big Ten coach. And I get it. Danny Manning's got a, a pat. You know, it's not like he's never been a head coach or something along those lines. He's just never really succeeded at the highest level of college basketball as a coach. So it's a tough sell because of it. There was a reason he was available to be an assistant on this Maryland staff this year. It's a tough sell. It would have to be something far more than this. As I keep saying, that's where the Kevin Garnett thing comes in. Anything is possible. Could this be the start of some run that Maryland makes that gets Danny Manning into the conversation? It's, it's possible. I ain't betting on it. I ain't running down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and suddenly putting money on Maryland to win the Big Ten. That ain't happening. But is it possible? Sure. We've seen crazy things occur in college basketball, and guys rally around. I mean, we've seen these things. Um, it's pleasant, for again, as I keep talking about, for those of you that are hell-bent on watching all the games and this is what I do. And uh, I know they had some uh, a good student response last night down in College Park. It, that's about it. I mean, there wasn't any fans there, but there were students there, and that's neat. So for those of you that are Maryland students, you probably enjoyed it. It, I'm going to remain indifferent. It's not Beating Penn State on a Monday night at home is not significant. I get it, actually. They've struggled against Penn State over the years. But it's still not significant enough to warrant changing a narrative. There's nothing about that that changes a narrative. Bad basketball teams win games. By the way, sometimes bad basketball teams win games against good teams. Not just Penn State. You have to put something together, a string, something that forces the narrative to be changed. And beating the Nebraskas of the world, the Penn States of the world, is not what forces a narrative to change. But still pleasant, and I, I respect Danny Manning, and you know maybe he's really wowed them internally, right? Like maybe the way that he's led the program. I've not asked anybody this. I've tried poking around about Danny Manning in the past, and I've gotten a, we like Danny. Like I've gotten a pleasant, what do you want us to say? He's, he's sort of the guy that's running the program right now. We want to show respect to him. So I have not gotten the sense at all that he's really on the radar in, in, in any way to be the next head coach to Maryland, and I think it would take something, as I keep saying, extraordinary for that to change. Something where you walk in and say, well, we couldn't move on from this. Something like what Rich Bisaccia did for the Oakland Raiders, and, or sorry, the Vegas Raiders, and then got fired anyway. Something like that. Would be what it would require. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would require. Say it ten times fast, guys. Yeah. Okay. Right now. Right now. Come on. No. No. Into the microphone. Would require. Ten times fast. Oh my god. Would require. Would require. Would require. Would require. That sounds so bad. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? You're saying it's would require. Yeah, it does. That's what I'm saying. It's a that weird, it's a right, weird right? combination of words. It's a weird combination of words. Anyway, that's what it would require in order for Danny Manning to end up on the radar for the coaching job. So there's that. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers thing. I got no clue, man. <laughs> I got no clue. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to say. 
Did it look like a retirement post? Yeah, it looked like a retirement post, but it didn't say that. Could it just be a dude who's in his feelings because his chick broke up with him? Possible. That's kind of how all, I took it. We've all been there. But, like, he, it's weird that, like, he would be in his feelings about the chick and then start talking about his buddies afterwards. Like, that's weird. Like, what do the guys in the quarterback room have to do with his relationship? It's a weird bit, man. I mean, I, as I say that, maybe they all hung out together as couples or something. I don't know, right? Like, I haven't, I have no idea what uh, Kurt Bankert was doing hanging out with the, uh, by the way, Kurt Bankert's from Perry Hall. A lot of people don't know that. Um, it was weird. Everything about it was super, super weird. Aaron Rodgers, I think we all know, is a bit of a weirdo. So you want to read into it? Fine. But I would probably wait until Aaron Rodgers says the words, I'm retired, to assume that that's what this Instagram post meant. It, it definitely came off more to me like a guy who was down bad because his chick broke up with him and... You know, who knows? Who knows how this, what this year has done to their relationship? And yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I trying to hypothesize about this. I feel actually bad about it, right? Because there's a part of me that's just like, dude, like, what, what are we doing? Let, let the man. You know, it, this sucks. It sucks to to you're with one of the most famous actresses on the face of the planet, and then everything goes south very quickly, right? I don't know. Like, let leave him alone. <laughs> like, there's things to actually criticize about Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that this is one. He was weird. He's weird on Instagram. Remember what I said about Hollywood Brown last week? <laughs> I mean, 39-year-olds are supposed to be a little bit less emotional on social right. media. Supposed to be in a bit more stable of a place as a human being. That, like, I don't know. I thought it was thought it was kind of nice that like he was saying nice things about the girl that he broke up with i thought it was a pleasant amicable thing but then it just went into a weird place afterwards just everything about it was super weird i don't know i'm i'm not reading into it everybody's asked about zadarius smith and these eyeball emojis i mean we we gotta we need we need help dude like we need help as a society we we gotta we gotta get right with the Lord or something, man. Like we we need to get a hold of ourselves that we're allowing our time to be influenced by Zadarius Smith posting eyeball emojis on Twitter. If you have spent any amount of time thinking about that, I really encourage you to seek a hobby. Learn take up ice fishing. Take up anything at all you guys played wordle a lot of people playing that wordle video games you heard of them can compete with people online it's a new thing anything at all other than spending time talking to other human beings or allowing any of your thought process to be taken up by zadarius smith's eyeball emojis that he's posting on twitter well ravens players are posting them back hey bro what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Ah, that's because they know that Darius Smith is getting released and the Ravens are definitely signing him? I don't think they know that. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I don't think that Patrick Queen has been told by Eric DaCosta, we know Darius Smith is getting released by the Packers and we are signing him. I think there's a one in a billion percent chance that that's true. Now, does it mean that he would like to see Zadarius Smith back? Were Patrick Queen and Zadarius Smith even together? They weren't nope. even teammates at any point. 
It's very weird. Does it mean that any of these guys that knows Darius Smith wouldn't want him to be on the team again? I'm, I'm sure they'd love to have him be on the team again. He's a good football player when he's healthy. I get it. The circumstances, the Packers are way over the cap, and they got to make some moves in order to get under the cap, and the Aaron Rodgers thing is a factor with all of that, and if they move on from Aaron Rodgers, maybe they're just sort of reloading and trying to get younger and doing the whole bit. Like, that's totally possible. But, my God, what are we doing? What? How is this healthy for us to be spending this amount of time on something that we have no – it's one thing if Zadarius Smith gets released or if there's a report that they're going to release him to have a conversation about, like, Hey, would that make sense for the Baltimore Ravens? And my answer would be maybe, maybe. I don't know that it's a perfect fit because Darius Smith, frankly, wasn't a perfect fit in Baltimore the first time around. I I get it, though. The Ravens could probably use about as much help in the, the, the pass rush department as they could get. They just don't seem to have guys that can consistently get quarterbacks on the ground. So yeah, would I would I be would I eliminate if Zadarius Smith was available and somebody said to me, would you would you consider it? Yeah, I consider it. But there's still six more layers to that. What are we considering? Real money for Zadarius Smith? I don't know. I don't know if the Ravens have that luxury. I would probably say no to that. There's some world where like because he was hurt, the money's down and. He just really loved it in Baltimore and wants to come back and you can get him. I don't know, maybe. Maybe. But we don't have any of that. We've got eyeballs. That's it. All we've got is Darius Smith posting some eyeballs on Twitter and we're all losing our minds over it. Uh, we, I get it. It's a boring time. I, <clears throat> I understand. It's a boring time right now. Football is what drives this country. Literally, it is the center of our universe sports-wise in this country. I, I understand that. We got a nice respite uh, two days ago because Dwan Howard slapped somebody, and that was something that we were willing to pay attention to. Otherwise, nobody on the planet would have cared about what happened in the Michigan and Wisconsin game outside of people in Michigan and Wisconsin. I, I get it. We're in a difficult part of the year because our universe is centered around football. And until the offseason actually begins, there's nothing hard football-wise to talk about. There's not. We're all just speculating for the sake of speculating. Because we're bored. Because we want our national pastime back. Because this is what we do. Because we want to know where it is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be next season. He's going to play for the Packers. He's going to retire. He's going to... We want to read into Instagram posts. We want to read into eyeball emojis. We want to read into anything because we just want something. We're like junkies that need a fix. Give it to me. Shoot it into my veins. Something that smells like football. Not the USFL. We don't want that. Nobody cares about that. And we won't. We've done this bit a thousand times, and yet we keep pretending like the, the, the 80th time it's going to be the time that somebody cares. Yeah, but wait till The Rock brings back the XFL. Don't get me wrong. Love The Rock. It ain't going to work. We don't want that. We are junkies for football. So Zadarius Smith posting eyeball emojis gets our, gets, gets us, we start feeling something. We start feeling, oh, come on, man. Give me, this feels like football. Give, me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me now. Settle down. Settle down. Call, call, call somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Call your, your grandmother if she's still alive. Call your mom. 
say hello, check in, see how they're doing. Watch college basketball game. I wrote a column yesterday for PressBoxOnline.com. Go to the Towson game tomorrow night. Great way to spend your time. They're red hot. Go watch. Do something healthy and productive instead of spending time on eyeball emojis. It's just not healthy. We have a problem. We have a problem. We are so obsessed with football. We are so desperate for something football-wise. Trust me, when there's football, we're going to talk to uh, Brian McFarland today because we're going to try to lay out what needs to be done for the Ravens of the offseason. But you know what we're not going to talk about? Eyeball emojis. We're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about a Snapchat story. We're not going to talk, I mean, unless there's something I don't know about. Unless somebody says something really interesting on Snapchat. I mean, if they do that, then we'll talk about it. We're not going to talk about eyeball emojis. I feel like that was the list of things I needed to cover at the top of the show. I feel like that that worked me through all of the things that were... Oh, the, the baseball had a, apparently a productive meeting yesterday. So hopefully there's something to build on from there. The people that seem to know the most always said, even when they got into a place where the meetings were more productive, they were still not nearly close enough to think that a day was going to end up being the difference in them getting there. That it, it felt like the best case scenario was a week of hard negotiating would maybe get them there. And we even learned that they were still pretty far apart on a couple of things that were pretty significant in order to get this done. So, um, but there were concepts. So, this is relevant, I think, for the Orioles as they try to transition out of this phase. So, apparently, the team, Major League Baseball, wanted to go to an eight team draft lottery. The players, no, sorry, the players wanted to go to an eight-team draft lottery. Eight players want the top, the worst eight teams to end up in a lottery for the number one pick because they're trying to end purposeful tanking and the ability that if you're just so 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 bad, you'll be guaranteed to get the number one draft pick the following year. They wanted it to be that well, you could be all that bad, but you might not even get a top five pick. The owners, of course, don't want that. If we're really bad we want the chance to turn around, and it would help to have a transcendent talent in order to do that. This is something that, of course, we're very familiar with here in Baltimore because the Orioles have are slated to have their second number one pick in the last five years. They also had a number two pick in the process. So we know all about this. We know what's happened here. The players want teams to spend more money on their players and not purposefully try to be bad. So they think a way to do that is take away the reward for being the worst team in baseball. The owners are a little bit gun-shy about that. If we're this bad, we don't want to have the number eight pick in the draft. We want to be guaranteed no worse than number four pick. And by the way, this is a concession for them to get to four, apparently. They are putting out their top four teams get a draft lottery. The players want it to be the top eight teams with the worst records that end up in a draft lottery. I think what we can take from that is that there's going to be a draft lottery. Considering where the two sides are, I think we, what we know with confidence is that moving forward in baseball, it will no longer be the team with the worst record gets the number one pick. Now, when does that start? Most people th- seem to think it'd be very unlikely for them to go retroactive and take away the Orioles having the number one pick next year and instituting a lottery. It just seems unlikely. It's not impossible, but it just seems unlikely that they would go that way. Would they immediately kick this in? Are there other teams that have been 
tanking, if you will, that would be negatively impacted that would say, we would like if maybe you would give us a one-year respite before you go about making this the policy in baseball? We'll find out. But we can say with some amount of confidence that it will no longer be the team with the worst record guaranteed to get the number one pick because both sides are now apparently agreeable on some form of draft lottery. It's just that one side wants it to be the top eight and the other side wants it to be the top four, and we will see how that ends up playing out and whether that they, you know, do they meet in the middle and they come to six or does one side win out there because they give somewhere else? But the fact that both sides are in agreement about a draft lottery in general probably says it's happening. It's coming to Major League Baseball that there will be some form of draft lottery, and it's just a question of what it actually looks like and how many teams are involved. But that was, to me, the big thing that came out of all of the news about yesterday's negotiations between the players and the owners. The CIAA tournament is officially underway at Royal Farms Arena here in Baltimore, one of the best events in all of college basketball. And uh, there's other events going on at the convention center, at Ramshead Live. I mean, it's really taking over our city. But the basketball itself officially got underway this morning at 10 a.m. And you're going to want to be a part of it. There are still tickets available. CIAATournament.org. CIAATournament.org. The CIAA tournament this week. The championship's on Saturday at Royal Farms Arena. You're going to want to feel it, support it. It's an incredible event for our city. The CIAA tournament officially underway. Speaking of tournaments, it was 20 years ago that this man and his team cut down the nets in Atlanta. And, of course, you see that on our new print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. And coming this Sunday, the University of Maryland is going to celebrate that with an official 20th anniversary event as the Terps take on Ohio State. He'll be back. A bunch of players are going to be back. It is always a pleasure to welcome back the Hall of Fame, former head coach, University of Maryland. He's the great Gary Williams, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, hard to believe it's 20 years, but uh, here it is. You know, it's, it's, it's remarkable to believe that it's been 20 years at this point. Coach, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away that people can find in the conversation we had for PressBox, but... I was really moved by what you told us about your your perspective of winning the title 20 years later, and I was wondering if you could revisit that with me and how it's changed and the appreciation that you have for it 20 years removed that maybe even in the moment as you guys were celebrating that night in Atlanta, you, you didn't have the full perspective of. Yeah, it happens so quick, you know, it's... Uh... And so many things are going on at the same time right after that championship game was over. And then you get back to school and you celebrate that and everything. But then you're you're right back into any other season of getting ready. In other words, there's recruits to call. There's, there's places to go to see recruits play, things like that. And so you get into that and, you know, you think about it and you hear about it from people about winning the championship. But... As time goes by, you know, and I, I when I stop coaching, you, you really uh, appreciate the fact that uh, you were able to be part of that because that doesn't happen even with talented teams. Um, you see a lot of really good programs in Division One basketball that have never been yep. to the Final Four. Uh, you, you see teams that you thought, like Gonzaga, say, uh, in a, you know, a couple times in the last five years, you they have to win the national championship. They're the best team, but 
you know, a guy has a bad shooting day, he sprains his ankle the day before in practice. So a lot of things can happen and you need really tough people, you know, guys that uh, just, you know, can play through not playing well and still win a game against a really good team. So you, you appreciate all those things uh, over the years, I think, more when you, when you have the opportunity to really get some time to think about it. I'm, I'm trying to remember this correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but I, I, I vaguely remember after the Kansas game in the Final Four, when they had chipped away at the lead, you maybe, maybe you were joking in the press conference, but I feel like I remember you saying something like, I, I was prepared to come in here and talk about this the way that last year's Final Four game went. Um, did, did you have any of those feelings that went through your mind? Like, it, it just might not happen. Everything went right, but it just might not happen for us or something along those lines. Well, you know, Hubie Brown told me one time uh, that on the way to the game, think about what you're going to say to the media if you win or if you lose so that you're not kind of caught off guard and, you know, the, the way that game was with Kansas, they were a really good team. They had been number one in the country quite a few weeks uh, before we played them in the NCAA tournament. Plus, you know, we got down early. And so a lot of things go through your mind. But, you know, to, to be able to beat a team that good and score 95 yeah. or whatever it was against them, um, you know, I, I knew we had a good team because we, we were capable of winning a game like against North Carolina with our offense and then against uh, Indiana yep. with our defense when we didn't have much offense going on that night. That's a great point. Uh, Coach, on, on Sunday, is there anybody you know that you haven't seen for whatever reason in recent years or, or you just haven't been able to stay up with that you're most looking forward to seeing? I, I, I don't know what these relationships look like 20 years removed. I don't know how often you're in touch with everybody. But is there somebody that when you get there Sunday or this weekend, you're like, man, I, I am really in particular looking forward to seeing this person that I haven't seen in a while? Well, I've stayed in touch with most of the guys. Um, the, the one person I haven't seen uh, since he left Maryland is Ryan Randall. Uh, wow. He was a, a backup uh, yep. power player on our team and a really good player. I mean, our front line with Lonnie Baxter, Chris Wilcox, Tosh Holden, and Ryan Randall – you know, you never got in foul trouble that year inside because any of those guys could play at a very high level. And so Ryan's been in Texas. He's coming up with his wife. Um, he's doing very well. He's in the trucking business down there. And uh, it'll be great to see him. He's the guy that came up with the line uh, after the championship game that uh, we don't have any McDonald's All-Americans. We have Burger King All-Americans. <laughs> and I stole that from him and used it quite a bit speaking that year after the uh, tournament. That's so. uh, tremendous. That is tremendous. Well, I look forward to that on Sunday. It's it's definitely going to be a special day. I, Gary Williams is with us here on GCR. Coach, I was thinking about, um, you know, we were actually talking yesterday about your relationship with Juan, right? And I, I was wondering, you know, as he's become a coach himself, how how involved have you been? How much does he reach out to you? How much do you, you, you know, are you in tune with what they're doing? Do you try to leave it alone and let him be his own guy? What's that relationship been like specifically since he's become a coach? Well, we talk quite a bit. We text uh, once in a while. And um, Juan had a great win last night. They yep. beat Howard at Howard, which was, you know, you know uh, they, um, they had lost a couple and, to get that win last night was really big because I believe Howard just beat Morgan State um, recently. So for Juan, it was really a big win, and I was glad to see that. Uh, Juan is a very good coach. He's in a very tough situation. 
um, in terms of who he has to schedule, things like that. And, you know, it's hard to come up with a good record. Uh, you know, and I coached in high school, I coached in college at different places. And you see coaches all the time that are really good coaches, but are in situations where, you know, no one could win a great number of games in, in a certain situation. And, um, I, th- I think Juan is, is doing a great job at Coppin. I, I wish he'd get more coverage, to be honest, in the Baltimore area um, with what he's trying to do there. But uh, Juan is, um, to me, he's accomplished more than any other basketball player in the history of the University of Maryland with what, what he accomplished. And, you know, obviously the all-time leading scorer. But now he's in his early 40s. He's... Uh, got a great family and uh, he's working hard as a head coach it's we've talked to a few of his players we just had Nenda Tark on a couple weeks ago and it is remarkable to listen to them you know these are guys that maybe don't necessarily know Juan the player right in any sort of way they're just too young for that but right. to hear the way they talk about him as a coach it, it is kind of remarkable like this is it's an it's a new life it's a new everything um, that he's putting into this and and maybe not surprising that he attacks it with the passion that we know that he had as a player yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the keys to coaching is if you can get what made you really good into your t- current team, then you know they're they're going to play at a, at a very good level. And a lot of times, there's there's a lot of coaches out there that know X's and O's. They're really good. They they, they can diagram any play you want to set up or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But unless you can get that through to your team, it doesn't matter how much basketball you know. One of my favorite stories about you and Juan Dixon is a story where you, you guys did not um, – there was no filter, right? Like, we, we know you were a passionate guy, but the way it was described to me once by Juan was like, he could curse at me because I was allowed to curse at him right back. Was it like that with everybody, or did that relationship have to come along over the years that, like, you know, you, you guys could be in each other's grills, and yet it didn't affect the relationship whatsoever? I think I, I was lucky because back when I coached, you had three, four-year players. Yeah. And you develop that relationship. I mean, that that's, you know, I look at the coaches, you, you know, that have gone the one-and-done route, like uh, Krzyzewski, Calipari, guys like that. They don't get that relationship. They they don't have that. They have great teams, obviously, because of the talent level they get. But they don't have that chance to build a relationship where there's a trust there. So if one guy gets mad at the other guy, uh, that doesn't mean – you don't care about each other. Yep. And I think that's what you develop over time. And that that's the way it used to be. And, you know, you sound like an old person talking like that, but <laughs> to me that, that would be a, a much more enjoyable coaching situation where you could w- walk into practice every day and be yourself, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, right. and you're not worried about some guy transferring because he yelled at him at practice or, or whatever, because he's going to be there. You know, he's put the time in and, you know, he's helped build the program to where you have a really good team. Was it difficult for you at all as a coach, like to to allow players the freedom to to go right back at you? I mean, I would, you know, there's so many people who you know are in that type of position where power is so important, right? And and how dare you undermine me? How dare you? Was it difficult for you to allow the the same favors to players to say, look, man, you you can yell at me, you can. This is not doesn't not going to be a one way street. This is not the military that we're dealing with. Yeah, the the only way that works is if you you have a great trust with each other because you know you know we all have good days and bad days and you know you 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 as I coached over the years you come to realize that, that these guys are human beings just like you know yeah. coaches are and you know they're they're going to get upset at you. I'm going to get upset at them. 
But as long as you feel that we're all trying to do the same thing, get to the same point uh, with a team, then it's okay because you, you always have guys in your team that are also great at getting with a player, you know, and these are player to player and saying, Hey, look, coach got on you today, but don't worry about it. He'll be fine tomorrow. You know, that type of thing, rather than have a guy in the locker room and says, Hey, coach is really a bad guy. You know, he shouldn't have said that to you. And and that can fester into really hurting a team. So uh, you you need really a combination of blend of players on your team. He is Gary Williams. He's with us here on GCR. The 20th anniversary celebration is this Sunday. Um, Coach, what did you think when you saw the the thing with Jawan Howard the other day? And and you know, were were you okay with it being a five game suspension and he'll be back with the postseason? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's hard. You know, once that hits, now it's it's uh, you know it's going to be nationwide news. It's going to be one of the biggest stories, not just in sports, but you know, in 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 the news cycle. And so, um, I knew something had to happen. It seems realistic to me, you know, in other words, what happened early guard, you know, put his hand on Juwan, obviously do. He wanted to make the point about why he called timeout and things like that. And Juwan didn't respond well to that, but then they were separated. And then when Juwan came back and, uh, you know, hit the assistant coach with his open hand or whatever he did, something had to happen then. And I, I think that's, that's, you know, important for all players to understand that, um, you know, you draw the line, you, you can't, you know, brush that off and say, well, that's okay. Uh, it's not okay. So a five game suspension in the regular season, I think is fair. He gets a chance to coach in the uh, big 10 tournament and for Michigan, maybe they still have a shot at the NCAA depending on what happens, uh, uh, you know, the last five games. So, yeah, and and it's it's you can't have that, you know. In other words, you 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 have all these great athletes out there; they get so much attention, so much going on that you don't want that for your sport. In other words, like you, you take it personally if you've ever connected to college basketball. Mm-hmm. Hey, how how many times did I coach a game where it came right down to the wire and you lose bad call by an official? You didn't like what the other coach did, you know, whatever something happened during a game. You kind of look at each other, coach to coach. But when the game's over, you shake hands and you keep moving. And, and in my case, I was always, you know, if we lost a game, I'm I'm worried walking up to shake the other coach's hand about what am I going to tell my players? I, I'm not concerned with that team at all. Right. See, Howard got concerned with that team, and you you don't do that. That's that's not. I can't do anything about uh, the Wisconsin if I'm Howard. I've got to worry about my team. Like when I walk into that locker room, how am I going to get them ready for the next game after a very tough loss, a game that we needed to win? And so I might not say anything, but I'll put my hand out and shake hands and just keep on going, you know, and that that's, that's you know, what has to happen. And I hope people, you know, there'll be a lot of people out there making noise about doing away with the handshake line. Well, if we can't play a college basketball game and shake hands afterwards, yeah, you know something's wrong. I agree. Something's wrong with the sport. You know, you have to be able to do that, and it's up to coaches, administrators, to police that to make sure that that can happen in a good way. I, I completely agree. I mean, it's insane. If we, if we're not capable of that, what are we doing, right? Like, what? Yeah, what well, why what, play the game? Exactly. If you, if right. you can't. I mean, any game I ever played as a kid, you always shook hands with the other team. If you're out in the playground, you always talk to the other guys. If you know, after a game's over. And 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 getting your butt kicks happens sometimes. You know, in in that in the national title game year, you guys lost a couple of games by double digit scores and went on to be one of the best teams in college basketball history. I mean, it 
you, you get your butt kicked sometimes. It's just the nature yeah. of, of the way the sport works. I mean, not many people go undefeated, that's for sure. Right. It's extraordinary. Gonzaga came close, but they couldn't do it a year ago. That's, that's exactly right. right. Like, yeah. it, it's very difficult to do that. Uh, Coach, we had uh, Bobby Crammons on yesterday. We were talking about this with him and uh, reliving some of your guys' you know, incredible matchups over the years. But, um, you know, he was talking about the, the Maryland search and said, boy, I, I really hope Gary's involved. I really hope that's the case. And I don't know what you can tell us because I know you have an official role there at the school, but ha- have you wanted to be involved at all in this process? Is it something where, like, you know, you wanted to, to give input, you wanted to be involved in the search? Like, what, what has been your desire as Maryland's now looking for a coach again? Well, I, I just, you know, my, my only desire is that they hire a great coach. I mean, if you want to get it right down to the bottom line, you know, we're, we're I don't know if everybody understands all the time, but like I, I went to Maryland, I played basketball there. Obviously I coached there too, but I, I want what's great for Maryland basketball. In other words, we want to win another national championship. So how, how can we do that? You know, how, well, we have to hire a great, great coach, but you know, you, you look at the program, everything has to be first class, everything, because the teams that win it have that, you know, they, they have everything in place that, you know, see, seems to to work toward winning a national championship. So my, my input is anything I can help with, you know, in terms of knowing coaches, in terms of, uh, you know, um, what, what I, I think is necessary for Maryland to win, because what we're, we're in a situation right now where, we have to get better. In other words, we, we have to improve some things uh, within the program. Sure. If we can do that, it doesn't take long. You know, you, you've seen it with other teams. You get right back on a national level, and, and that that's what we have to do. We, we, we have to uh, raise the bar a little bit in terms of what expectations are. Uh, for our basketball team. What do, you, what do you make of you, of course, you know, people use the word somebody needs to know the area. Of course, nobody knew it better than you because, as you alluded to, you were you were one of us, right? Um, how important is that when for this job, for it to be somebody that knows the area, understands? Do we make too much of that when we talk about it, you know, dopes like me on the radio? Uh, it, it seems to be uh, really emphasized in the DMV, you know, this area here. And plus, you know, you throw Baltimore, obviously, into that mix because we had quite a few players uh, that really played well for us from Baltimore. So, yeah, I think it's important, but it doesn't have to be the head coach. It can be an assistant coach that's really in tune with the Baltimore-Washington area and being able to have contacts. I mean, let's face it, in, in recruiting now, the summertime is just as important, if not more important, than the high school recruiting. So, you, you need you need someone that, that that's connected in that area. But at the same time, this area, say from Baltimore south of D.C., is as heavily recruited as any area in the country. You mm-hmm. have uh, you know you have three major airports. It's easy to get to. Uh, there's great competition. You know, I mean, some of the best teams in the country come out of here every year. So. Yep. Um, you're, you're, you're going to have competition here. You're not going to get every player. And I think people have to understand that, that it's okay to get a player from outside the area. But if you can get, you know, a player a year from this area, you, you know, basketball recruiting, it's going to change, obviously, with the transfer portal. But it used to be if you get one player out of a three, four-player uh, recruiting class, you were in good shape. I mean, you, you were going to do well uh, locally uh, if you could do that. It, when you allude to the things, and I'll leave you with this, Coach, is, is it the facility? Is that the biggest one? That like, what, If the facility gets done in the next five years, do you believe at that point the program is back to a place where it, 
the, the standards should be, you know, competing for championships. Yeah, I, 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 it's going to get done. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, every, everything's in place, and I think there'll be an announcement pretty soon in terms of the uh, uh, practice facility. But at the same time, there, there's no better place to, to play than Xfinity. Right. I mean, you, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, a practice facility doesn't determine the program. I mean, we won a national championship. I mean, not everybody had a practice facility back when I was coaching, but at the same time, what it is, that's part of the program. That That's one of the things that, yeah, we, we, need, we need a practice facility to keep up with the other schools, that's for sure. But that's not going to determine, you know, whether we win a championship or not. That's just part of the package. So I think sometimes people jump on something that they see as a weakness, sure. you know, and go after it. Uh, but, uh you know, I think a lot of players in this country would trade places and play in Xfinity if they could. This Sunday, uh, 4 o'clock game against Ohio State, but, you know, I want to say more importantly because it's very important, also quite important, the 20th anniversary celebration of the 2002 National Championship. Gary Williams, the team will be back. You're going to want to be a part of it. Uh, Gary Williams, it's always a pleasure. And I, and I really do appreciate the time you took with Stan and I for this uh, cover story uh, that's out there. Great picture of you holding up the uh, the championship trophy on the cover if people haven't picked it up yet. Um, I, it, it really, uh, your openness and, and your candidness, especially uh, your emotion talking about Cole Fieldhouse, man, it really moved me. Um, and I hope people go read that. I, I greatly appreciated you doing that. No, thanks. And for, for the people out there, all the players are back. All, all the players on that team are back. Uh, Sunday so if you had a favorite player they'll, they'll be there that's awesome that is so cool to hear coach thank you for taking the time for us this morning we'll hey, see you on Sunday you guys you guys do a great appreciate that coach, coach Gary Williams with us here on uh, GCR getting ready for the anniversary celebration on Sunday and um you know I I, I look the, I've said a million times I think the practice facility is really important I think it's unbelievably important in getting this program back to that level um, to Gary's point, is it alone the only thing that matters? No, of course not. Of course not. Um, there are plenty of other things that go into a program besides a practice facility, but I, I do think it's critical that they get that done here soon. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you, of course, by Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. 51 self-service kiosks. It's the place to be for you to bet on everything. You know what I was just talking about, how we're obsessed with football junkies? Like, go... go Go get into something that you not don't think you're into. Like I've said a million times, I don't think I'm into golf. I bet if I was down at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel this weekend and I had a little action on it, I'd suddenly be way more interested. And the kiosks are open 24-7, so if what you're into is European soccer and there's a match at 7 a.m., and you're like, well, it's just too early for me. No, you can go watch it in the FanDuel Sportsbook and use the kiosks to bet on it, despite the fact that the Sportsbook itself isn't technically open yet. That's the brilliance of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Plus, they got the, the money machine, your chance to win your share of $10,000. i got to get in there just by signing up for Live Rewards. Plus, new Live Rewards members can earn up $20 in free play. Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Go check out the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook. We come back in. Patrick Stevens is going to join us. We'll talk some hoops, some lacrosse with him next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 11.30. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Vandal Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBox online. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battle Round. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again to Gary Williams for taking the time for us this morning. And again, you can go pick up that print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. He sat down with Stan the Fan and I, and speaking of Stan the Fan, Last night, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with former Orioles pitcher Mike Torres. And you can find that chat right now by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports and clicking on the videos tab or by going to pressboxonline.com slash video for uh, that conversation that uh, Stan the Fan had and Ross Grimsley with former Orioles pitcher Mike Torres. It is available for you right now. Uh, From uh, Dean. Dean says... Uh, Glenn, do you feel like Gary is going to be involved in selecting the next head coach? He seemed to be a bit dismissive of your question. Well, I don't think he was dismissive. I don't. I, I absolutely think that he's involved in some sort of capacity. I don't think he's going to be the one making the ch- the final choice. But I, you know, asking him questions, getting his opinion. I mean, he he works for the school. It would be insane. So I get it. There's only so much you can say about it because they're actively searching for a coach right now. But no, I, I think in some way, in some form, he's absolutely involved with the process. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, Maryland basketball, college basketball, and lacrosse in general. It's Tuesday, so it's time for our weekly conversation. 
with our friend Mr. Patrick Stevens at Discourse, D1S Course, in the Washington Post, where you find, and U.S. Lacrosse Magazine, of course. He's with us now on GCR. Patrick, what's going on, sir? Well, let's see if we can. Oh, there we go. Let's try that again. Patrick, what's going on? How are you? I'm well, and you, Glenn? I'm all right. Um, look, I got these questions last night, and I'm... I'm trying to not be too dismissive of it, but I'll let you have your sad. A couple of people say, hey, look, you know, Maryland's put together a couple of wins. They had that great performance against Purdue. Is there any chance that Danny Manning is working his way into the conversation? And my response has been, well, if it is, it's not because he beat Nebraska and Penn State. Um, yeah, that, 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 that about covers it. Yep, there you go. All right, so I think that's all we have to say about that. That being I mean, s- I, Yeah, go ahead. I, 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 I think ultimately, like, the – the the argument for Danny Manning was always going to be if he took over a five and three team and it ended up somehow going like twenty two and nine and winning a couple games in the NCAA tournament and going gosh the guys really responded to him incredibly well uh, and it's no knock on him that they're sitting there at thirteen and fourteen right now I don't think I mean I'm not sure like if we if we did a fantasy world where Mark Turgeon was still the head coach of Maryland. I think they probably would have been better. It would have been a less disruptive season, obviously. Uh, you would have had more continuity. Uh, but I don't know if they would have been that much better. I mean, we might be looking here at a team that, I don't know, maybe was 15-12 and 12 or 16-11 and 11 at this point. We, we could go through and try to figure out right. which games they might have won or whatever. But, you know, I don't think that, that he has elevated this team uh, to a you know to a level beyond what it would have been expected to do, and I think that's a, a as fair a way to put it as possible uh, for for where Maryland is at this season. I mean, I think he's he's done good work under the circumstances, getting guys to for the most part. There's been one or two clunkers in there, but for the most part, guys have played fairly hard. The Iowa game stands out, the one at Maryland uh, that was not good at all. Uh, but beyond that, maybe the game at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've they've been competitive. They've they've stayed in it. They've they've had they've had some feistiness to them. But that said, you know, I think this is this is a a hire that you're going to go outside. Yeah, that's that's the sense that I've gotten. That's uh, complete agreement. Um, you know, we, we were just talking to Gary, of course, about the 20th anniversary celebration. You were around that team. Um, do you have a favorite story from that year that maybe isn't you know the same thing everybody always shares? Do you have anything that, that stands out to you looking back twenty years ago? Gosh, well, I, I would tell you the one the one quote that I remember maybe more than than any other was was Drew Nicholas after the national championship game, basically saying something to the effect of, and I, I don't have the exact verbiage, but the the general sentiment was, I hope everybody gets to feel the way that I'm feeling right now, the way that we're feeling right now, like that sort of just incredible high, you know, that, that was, that's one of the things that, that stands out about that season. You know, I I think in terms of a, of a moment in in that year, you know, there's a lot of things people look at. They look at the, you know, it's easy to look at the Duke games, right? Right. That's the easy stuff. It's easy to look at the tournament games. Uh, But the game I think back to, uh, was the one at the end of January when they were down at Virginia mm. and, and were down a bunch, and they basically just stormed back in the last five or six minutes, and they were something like 22 or 23 at the foul line that day. They missed the last one, uh, and they came back to win that game. And, and that was the sort of result that made you think, huh, you know, I know that you, know, you knew they'd been to the Final Four, but that was the moment where it was like, huh, they might just, this might just be a team that does that. And then, you know, they get a break, 
against Wake Forest at home with the with I believe it was a Josh Howard timeout that they did. Oh, that's right, right. You know that, and you know, and you get enough of those moments where it's like they, you know they created their own breaks, but they had a few fall their way too, and you're like, you know what, this this this, this is trending towards what I think a lot of people think it might be, and then you know I think it, uh, another one of those results that uh, that stands out. Just the you know not so much the result, but just the whole event of the closing of Coalfield House and all that. Yeah, I think that probably lands a, a little more of the conventional memories of that season as opposed to uh, maybe something that's a little under the radar. As far as uh, hoops this week are concerned, it continues to me to be the story of Towson basketball, and I ended up writing about it. We were talking about it on Sunday night. Um, it, it's one thing that they went down. In some weird way, Patrick, the pounding UNC Wilmington was unbelievable, right? I mean, it was just an incredibly dominant performance. But I said the next morning, there is something to be said for after an emotional game like that. Are, are you so good at this point that you can avoid the letdown? And they got absolutely challenged at Charleston a couple days later and ended up responding to that as well and figuring out a way to win that game. Um, it, it, it really is remarkable to me what's happening with this team at this point. Yeah, they reloaded the musket there with about eight or nine minutes to go in that game, right? Like they were they were down, what, like nine or ten in the second yeah. half or close to it and came back and won that game by three. You know, Charleston, you know, I, I think you and I both saw the, the first time yep. those teams played, which was – which was a, a really weird game, you know. Charleston super aggressive, uh, you know, really deep, and, and Towson kind of had enough to withstand them that night. They kind of had enough to get past them on Saturday, uh, and like you said, they they blitzed Wilmington the first time. And you know, when you looked at what Wilmington had done this season, I don't want to disparage the season they've had because it's really good. But they've won a lot of close games, and they've pulled they've pulled some out that were, you know, you, you're including the game the game at Towson last month where you're like, you know, how are you going to keep pulling all these things out? And so it almost felt like they were due uh, to, to have a game like that, and Towson was the right team to administer it. So those back-to-back games that Towson had against Elon and Wilmington was pretty impressive. But like you say, being able to have the gut check against Charleston, uh, you know, also extremely per- impressive. And so now, basically, Towson has the number one seed in its hands if it can win out, in, in all likelihood, because – uh, Wilmington split with Hofstra, and it sure looks like Hofstra is going to be right there okay. in, in third place, and, and Towson has the sweep of them. So a, a Towson team playing really well and really curious to see them uh, tomorrow night against James Madison. So they have the two against James Madison. Of course, that, that's not going to be easy to, to win out because that has to involve them coming from behind because they're trailing by nine in the second half of a game they still have to play. So that is true. You know, they, they, you are spotting them and not you're spotting Delaware the lead with 18 and a half minutes or so to play in that last right, game. Right, right. Uh, so, which, which is a really interesting, you know, element. And by the way, uh, a cool p- doubleheader possibility that night. That game at six. The remainder of that game, Morgan State has its home finale at eight that night. Oh, well, that works out almost perfectly. So. Yeah, <laughs> almost perfectly. <laughs> almost perfectly. Well, that's tremendous. Um, uh, you know, we uh, Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. We both saw. I, I, I want to go into the Patriot League, where I, I know that was that was a tough one for Navy on Saturday, and then we see Loyola put together to me. I I think by far their best performance out of nowhere I, I, against a Lehigh team that I guess is a pretty good matchup for them if we look at the recent history. Um, do we feel differently at all about those teams going into them getting together this week, or do we still sort of say like, no, this is 
at, at this point, Navy has kind of proven themselves to be a, a little bit better, more consistent, if they can play their brand of basketball. Well, I think, first off, let's, let's look at Loyola, which had lost four in a row and, and six out of seven, and, and had really almost, in some ways, kind of been broken by that that lackluster performance against BU back in the middle of January. They've been 5-1 and one in the Patriot League at that point, and since then they, they've been well under 500. They've lost, uh, you know, I think that's 7 out of 9 at that stage. So for them to come out, a, a desperate team, they were celebrating an anniversary. The 2012 team right. is back, you know, from the, the last NCAA tournament team, and, and one of the things I know Tavares Hardy emphasized to his team after the game was, you know, that's the group that you want to be like. That's the group that you want to, you know, kind of live up to here in the in the closing stretch of the season. You know, I, I'm a little concerned for them. Obviously, you know, they were down Milo Silic, the freshman big, and, and he it doesn't look like he's going to be back yeah. anytime particularly soon. So that's a bit of a concern. They're a little vulnerable inside. Uh, not that Navy is the greatest post play, but they are super aggressive on the glass, and, and that's, Right now, for the way the midshipmen have been playing at the offensive end, uh, you look here uh, over the last couple weeks or so. You know, they've they there's their point totals here in their last uh, in their last five games, starting with the first time they played Loyola, 56, 68, 52, 55, 50, and they had a couple games before that of 47 against American, uh, and that was kind of the story of the day for Navy on Saturday against Holy Cross. I mean, they just couldn't buy a bucket to save themselves. Uh, they played good enough defense. They shut down Holy Cross in the middle of that second half. There was a stretch where Holy Cross had nine turnovers and 16 possessions, and Navy was able to climb back from down 15 points to, to actually briefly take the lead. So the question to me is, can Navy get enough offense? And that's not just the question for them against Loyola. That's the question for them against Colgate in the regular season finale right. and in the Patriot League tournament, because Navy's defense is definitely good enough for them to be a major factor in the conference tournament uh, starting next month. But next week, I should say, it is also next month. But the question is, do, can they get enough offense from guys like John Carter, Greg Summers, who twisted an ankle the other day at the end of the game? You know, Their veteran guys did not play particularly well, Summers and, and, and Carter in particular. And so you know, they, they, they got good work from Tyler Nelson, and they've had that here a little bit of late. But to me, like ultimately, Navy needs to figure out a way to get to sixty. They're five and four in games where they haven't scored sixty points, which is pretty impressive. But that's not a sustainable way to try to have your team. That's play. tough. No, it's uh, very so tough. They, they 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 need to be able to to get their offense going soon, or they're, or they're going to have a disappointing conclusion. Uh, a couple of good results for uh, the MEAC programs last night. Both Morgan and Coppin get big wins. Yeah, and you know the thing with Coppin was uh, I'll get to I'll get to Morgan in a minute because I think that might have a little more long-term yeah. value for them. But for Coppin, they, they looked so bad uh, on Saturday against Norfolk State. They were down one point at the under four of the first half, and they wound up losing by 30, uh, which is really kind of hard to, to imagine. But you know, they come back yesterday. They've, they've been without... Uh, you know they've they've uh, they've been without Tyree Corbett the last couple of days, but they got a great game out of Mike Hood down at Howard, and they were able to scratch out a four point victory down there. So that's good for Juan Dixon's team at this at this stage, sort of evening things up or close to evening things up. You know they finish at Eastern Shore, home against Delaware State, home against Morgan State. So there's a chance for them to really kind of stabilize things, maybe even head in. 
uh, to the conference tournament on a four-game winning streak if, if things can break right for them. Uh, that Morgan game, I think, stands out as a potential toughie, though, right now, especially since Morgan has had a couple interesting games here late. They beat South Carolina State last week uh, to complete the season sweep, had the close loss to Howard out in Cleveland, and then just took it to Norfolk State. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that Morgan has a, has a, there's a ruggedness to them, and that matches up pretty well with Norfolk State. Uh, and so to be able to get that against the conference leader, uh, really a tough day for the, for, for that, for the top teams in that league period. Howard goes down to Coppin, Norfolk to Morgan, and NC Central lost to Eastern Shore. Uh, so you look at that, you know, the, the league tightened up a little bit last night. And so Morgan has the same, basically the same closing stretch, Eastern Shore, Dell State, and then they play Coppin, obviously, rather than themselves. Uh, but that league, you know, I think Morgan right now is in sixth place. But they've got, the, they've got a chance here. You know, they could also end on a, on a winning streak, maybe get themselves up around 500. Uh, heading into the MEAC tournament to be played down in Norfolk later or next month. All right, on the lacrosse front, we you know Maryland's still good, obviously. Um, did the did Hopkins win over Loyola? Tell us more about Hopkins or more about Loyola. I'm not really sure. I mean, I think the one thing that, that stands out about that game um, is the fact that that we're we're going we have goalie questions at Loyola again. Yeah. Uh, which which you know you see you had a half of Luke Stout, you had a half of Colton Tietelbaum. You know, what is Loyola ultimately going to try to do there? Those guys combined for four saves, combined to allow 11 goals. Uh, so, you know, the question is, you know, is is, is, uh, is Schaefer a guy, Sam Schaefer a guy that's going to reemerge there eventually? Uh, or does Loyola have goalie problems? And I, I think they've got themselves early on here, kind of a gut check game. they got Rutgers coming to town for their home opener. Loyola hasn't gone 0-3 to start a season since 2005. Uh, and that's kind of what they're staring at here after the losses to Maryland and Hopkins. And that's a Rutgers team that's off to a good start. So to me, you know, I think even though it's only going to be February 26th, and there's obviously an automatic bid in the Patriot League and all that, but for this to be the sort of season that we thought Loyola could have, it's about time, I think, for them to, to, to put one on the board, mm-hmm. uh, especially since you, know, you still have Towson, you still have Duke, you still have Georgetown, you still have Lehigh and Army, who also took losses this past weekend. So, you know, to me, uh, I think Loyola is a team that definitely bears monitoring this weekend uh, as Rutgers comes to town. All right, it's time for our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? And uh, again, we are in a difficult place with our five-team guys, but this is someone... I, I kept looking because I swore that at some point we did it, but I looked over the list three times. We've never done this player. He's the only, I think, multi-all-star that's left among <laughs> my five-time guys. Cause that's I mean, that's what we're talking about. At some point, I'm going to give you the name Ricky Patalico, so just prepare for it now. Um, this guy, a three-time all-star during the course of his career. Um, he is someone who pitched for seven teams, so there are four one-year stints in here, including Ooh. the one that was very short. The name is Scott Casimir. Scott Casimir, wow. Yeah. All right, so Scott Casimir. And by the way, this was the best of the names that I had left for you. Yeah. Well, Scott Casimir, of course, was a, a Tampa Bay Ray. Most correct? certainly, yep. I believe he was a Tampa Bay Devil Ray, of course. Devil yeah. Ray. Well, he was a Dodger, I believe, right? He was a Dodger for multi You have knocked out nine years of Scott Casimir. Did Scott Casimir, old, he came up with the Mets, right? Uh, 
I could have, you know, it's so funny you say that. I could have sworn that was true, but it is, he never pitched for the Mets. So he I never gotta, pitched for the Mets. I got to, okay. I, I feel like you're right about that, and I'm going to double check yeah, so with let, the. Let's give it, let, let's, let's give me a pass on that. Yeah. How's that? Because I, yeah. I think there, there's, a, I'm not going to do very well with the rest of this, but, um, I feel like I at least deserve a pass on that. Yes, he he was drafted in the 2002 draft in the first round by the Mets and then was traded. What was the trade? Was that the Victor Zambrano deal? It was the Victor Zambrano deal. Exactly right. Victor Zambrano deal that led Scott Casimir to Tampa. Those are four four sad words. Yeah, the Victor Zambrano deal, correct. That sounds like a band name, too, potentially. (laughs) Um, As I'm sitting here sort of trying to waste some time to having to answer this question about Scott Casimir. By, by the way, I made, I made a mistake. He was an angel. He was, he he was an angel. angel, yes, correct. And by the way, I made a mistake. I was looking at L.A. He was one year with the Dodgers, three years with the Angels. So you, okay. there you go. Now you've knocked out ten years of Scott Casimir. Now I've knocked out ten years, and I've still got one multi-year stop There left is still a two-year stop left. Wow. Including um, an all-star appearance in 2014 when he went 15-9 and nine with 3.55 ERA. 2014 all-star appearance. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna. I mean, I'm spitballing here because I, I really can't remember his various stops. Was he a Cub? Never a Cub, no. Okay. Was he a twin? Not a twin either. Yeah, it's not yeah. going well here. Um, did he end up in Colorado for? A no. Oh man. No. Oh boy. It did go south. It did go south. It did go south. You want to throw one more out there? Uh, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna throw another one out here out here. Uh, did he end up in Cleveland? You know what you you save it salvage it. You went above 500 because he did spend a season in Cleveland between his stops with the Angels and then the two year stop that you're missing in Oakland with the Athletics. Okay. Uh, he also had brief stints in Houston and San Francisco. The San Francisco stint he came back. I don't remember this at all. Five years removed from baseball, he came back in 2021. And made five starts with the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> I don't remember that even a little bit. And it just happened a year ago. Um, as completely a total blind spot for me. All right. Uh, so how about this one? How about the uh, 14 guy, uh, someone who was quite prodigious, unfortunately uh, no longer with us, a three-time All-Star, former MVP, and a three-time Gold Glove winner. I've forgotten about his defense. Uh, give me the four teams for Ken Caminiti. Ken Caminiti was in Houston. Yep. Ken Caminiti was in San Diego where he won the MVP. Of course. He was in Texas. Yes, he was. And I'm missing one, and I think I'm going to end up blanking on this. Oh, I thought you would get this one. Well. It was only, in fairness, it was only 64 games at the end of the 2001 season. 64 games at the end of the 2001 season for Ken Caminiti. Was uh, I'm sitting here trying to think of who was actually good at that point. Um, I, I really don't remember. Was he Cub? It was the Braves. It was the Braves. Was the okay. other stuff for Ken Caminiti. Uh, the schedule for you this week, sir. Heading to GW tonight. They play Richmond. It's Washington's birthday, so shouldn't GW do well on? You Washington's would think. You would birthday? think, right? You would think, but historically right. they don't. Oh, I think they've lost like irony. five of their last seven on. Washington's birthday. Why do I remember? Uh, th- was there a bit at one point in my childhood where they would play like a gimmick game against James Madison on President's Day every year? I don't know if that happened. I swear I remember something like that. I gotta, I gotta dig through and figure out. Maybe it happened once, and that's why it stood out to me. Like I just, okay. 
I swear I remember some gimmick like that that they would play against Madison on Predison's Day. I'm I'm looking into it. Yeah, I'm looking into it as well at this point. And, so and, and, tomorrow, tomorrow, you know, we'll 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 be at a. I'm sure you're going too, right? You're headed to Towson tomorrow night. I'm going to try to get there. Yeah, uh, uh, okay. I got a, I got another game. Uh, it's a maybe for me right now. It's a maybe okay. for me right now. Yeah. Um, out of morbid curiosity, I'll be checking out Georgetown and DePaul on Thursday. Oof. Um, Oof. And then a lacrosse game TBD on Saturday, and then not quite sure where I'm going to end up. The, the, my post work will take me either to Maryland, Ohio State, or George Mason GW on Sunday. And then the doubleheader on Monday that we talked about earlier, Towson-Delaware, conclusion of that game uh, in addition to um, in addition to Morgan State and Eastern Shore. All right, I'm not crazy. It at least happened in 95 and 1992. They did do this. A gimmick game. I found it in the, Was- in the Washington Post, of all places. Okay, uh, there a, it is. A gimmick game between uh, GW and James Madison. I am not – I might be crazy, but this is not the reason why I'm crazy. Patrick Stevens. <laughs> At Discourse, D1S Course, The Washington Post, U.S. Lacrosse Magazine. Always appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for taking the time for us. Thanks so much for having me. Patrick Stevens checking in with us here on GCR. Hey, Cass, what's your top five this week? What's the, uh, what's the subject matter for this week's top five? Oh, we need, we need, uh, we need Cass. It's actually... Oh, oh, are we there? All right. Yeah, uh, no, okay. yeah you're good. Um, it's actually about me, so it's like top five interesting facts about me. So, hmm. but they're like, they're good. Don't worry. Sounds like somebody thinks very highly of themselves. <laughs> no. I'm going to make this about me. I'm the star of the show. It's I mean, the it Papa. It's the five. Papa Cash. I understand that. But like, are they, <laughs> are they really interesting? Yeah. More interesting than what was the thing we learned? The, the shower. Uh, what was the thing that the we flip-flops the flip flop thing? More interesting yeah. than that. More interesting. There was a food related thing that we learned about you two, wasn't there? Something that, that I don't like napkins. Oh yeah, that. Yeah. That. Yeah. More interesting than that. That was really yeah, interesting. That one was Cass. bold of me to like talk about. This one's more like it's the same. It's just different. All right. All right. That's still to come later on this hour. The top five with Papa Cash. She swears they're interesting. We'll find out if that's true or not. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. From Daryl. Daryl says, um, Glenn, I, I appreciate what you're saying about the eyeball emoji thing. For what it's worth, even if Zadarius Smith becomes available, I wonder at this point if that's even the right direction to go for the Baltimore Ravens. Don't you think they need to get younger in terms of their pass rush and someone maybe who isn't dealing with as many injuries? Zadarius Smith is going to be 30 before the season begins. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think you're trying to get me to speak about it broadly, and I don't think it's quite that broad. Do they need to get younger? I don't know. I mean, would I be opposed to adding in a young pass rusher, Jermaine Johnson, in the draft? I wouldn't be. I, this goes back to what I said. It, I would have to know the circumstances. If Zadarius Smith has a real market for him out there, I, I'm going to guess that's not the waters the Ravens can be swimming in. He played one game last season. Now, the two years before that, he combined for 26 sacks. He was a monster the two years before that. I mean, a monster. 
He played a one game last year. I, if there's a real market, and I don't know that one injury plague season would completely eliminate the market. If there's a real market for Zadarius Smith, I get the idea that this fits what the Ravens do, right? Instead of signing a true free agent, you sign someone who was released by another team. So it doesn't impact your compensatory pick formula. But if there's a real market with real money, I just don't think necessarily that's where the Ravens need to be. I could be wrong. It could very well be that this is the perfect thing for them to do. Bring in someone, a veteran edge rusher who we know is really good at doing the one thing they don't appear to have guys who are really good at doing. But to your point, spending money on a soon-to-be 30-year-old player coming off of an injury that costs him the better part of the season. Again, I, I got to know the I got. I just don't know enough about what the market looks like for Zadarius Smith. I'm not confident enough. And first of all, he's not even released yet. God, you guys are getting me to do this. You're eyeball emojiing me. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Um, he's not even available yet. But if he becomes available, does he fit? I just got to know. I got to know more about the market. I got to know more about that market. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a minute with Brian McFarlane. Uh, Raven salary cap, Russell Street report. He's scheduled to join us in just a couple of minutes. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms the newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Smoky thigh wings, smoky, 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 smoky thigh wings. They're so good. They're so, so, so good. And if you haven't tried them yet, I, I don't know what the purpose of How could you listen to this program, hear me talk about it every day, and be like, nah, nah. Like, nah, he's probably just saying it. I am, I would lay my soul on the line. I would stake my reputation as a human over this promise. You will not be disappointed with the smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. Glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to find out more. Get your order in smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. Go get your order in today. Um, all the... Cass is now trying to decipher the Aaron Rodgers post. It's so weird. It's so weird. Everything about it is so effing weird, man. And again, can he easily be dismissed by, well, he's a weirdo. Like, he's just a weirdo. I guess. But it's just still weird. Like, who sits down and starts typing about their breakup and suddenly ends up transitioning into, like, and here are the guys that I hung out with on Friday. It's so weird. He's like 40-something, right? He has he's to be 39. Like 30, okay. He's 39. So like 40, pretty much. Yes. He's the 39-year-old man who just like got in his feelings last night. And started... It's the quote for me. The picture just like sitting there of a quote. What was the quote? It was like something about wine. Okay, so he's I 38. Think. I lied. He's not 39 yet. He's still 38. It says, what does it say? Hold it on. says, I, I'll pull it up too. It says, gratitude is the wine for the soul. Go on. Get drunk. Like, what is that? Well, I mean, like, again, charitably, you say it's him. This, he wants to post about things that he's happy about in his life, right? Like, you just decide, if you want to do this charitably, you say, this is a man who just woke up one morning and was like, you know, I, I want to tell people how happy I am in general. And here's a list of all of the things that have made me happy. It's weird because the first thing on the list is the relationship that just ended. Right? Like, that's a weird thing. So, if you tie that in to everything else in the post, you'd say, well, he's writing about how happy they've made him because all of these relationships are ending. Either he's retiring or he's making it official. He's not going to be back in Green Bay with the Packers. So, he's listing all of these, you know, people that he got to know with the Packers that he's not going to be around any longer because he knows he's not going to be a Packer. So, the charitable way of looking at it is to say, he's, he's feeling all this gratitude. And so he's lumping a bunch of things in together because his life is in transition. He's transitioning from a relationship, and he's transitioning from his football team, right? But he never says that. He never says, "I've you know made it. I've we've we've had a conversation with the folks at the Packers. I'm not going to be back here next year." So I want to thank. And it's also creepy to do it at the same time, right? Like it's. Well, if it's, he would have went the way that you just said it, I think it would have been so okay. I think it would not have been weird. But the fact that it just led with a quote and then a picture of his ex fiance and then a bunch of like pictures of his teammates it's and just, it all just being lumped together like i'm sorry but if i was if like if you've got enough time to do this you've got enough time to make two instagram posts yeah. like if you've got enough time to do this you got enough time to make an instagram post to say look yes you guys have probably heard that i broke up with uh, my fiance 
Uh, she's someone I care about a great deal. I've enjoyed these last couple of years of my life, and Done. and and that's it. Post. Post. That's the end of the post, but, right? Like, adding like all of those people it's and being like tagging them in there. It's like, I'd so feel weird. So weird if I was just his teammate. Right? Like, like if you're David Bakhtiari, <laughs> what the hell do I have to do with your engagement? Right. Like it's such everything about it. Everything about it is freaking weird, man. Now somebody could. There's something to be said for it. as a 38 year old man myself. We don't really the social media thing is not for us. Like it is it is a young man's and a young woman's game, right? Like it ain't ours. We're participating in it because we must. It's not because it's good for or like guys like me participate in it because it's been figured out it's thirty years later I'm gonna look back on this as my like photo album. Is all this really is. I'm posting pictures of my kids that I can look back on in 30 years and say, boy, wasn't that adorable when I walked in and saw my seven-year-old uh, hop in bed with my four-year-old and they were sleeping peacefully the other night. Like, that's that's what social media has become for me. So I, I can speak on behalf of 38-year-old men. We're but awkward on social media. Like, we could not be more uncomfortable in what we do. And yet I know this is effing weird. But, like, pro athletes have to have some like social media person that's like hey like i'm gonna control how much, what you have you been paying attention to aaron Rodgers over the last year no how much like, how much influence do you think he's had of other people's okay, yeah. opinions no, like it sort of seems like he's just decided i'm doing me i don't care about whatever the the rest of you think i just like sometimes sit there and think i'm like who how do you read over this and still press the post button you know what i'm saying like how right. do you look at this and be like this is good well this, there could have been a, this, this will feels. be good yeah or or there could be a fair amount of i don't know what involved. it is about like 40 year old people like getting in their feelings on social media actually creeps me out like i don't know why but i don't know like, i don't i don't blame me for that, that. like it's, just creeps me out I'm, like creep- you're literally I, like I'll, could be my father well, hang on a second but i'll do that bit with my kids like where I'll just literally I walked in the other night went in to check on my kids and they were cuddled up together in bed and I was like this is effing adorable that's cute that's sentimental that's your children right I'm in my I'm going to post something about this because it's very sweet to me put it to the community and I frankly don't care what anybody else thinks because I and I've you can make fun of me all you want. I've already had these moments as a father where like I just start looking back on pictures of them when they're two, three years old, and it's like, what gets me by? Like for a night, I'm like, this is the entertainment that I need for the night. Is looking mm-hmm. back at pictures of my kids from three, four, five years ago. That's the thing that I enjoy. That's cute. The, that's the, everything about this is so bizarre, man. And everybody started see, re- is this is retirement post. Like I. All I'm saying is if I, I was don't know her, what it is. if I was Shailene Woodley, I think I'd report the post because I'd be so weirded out. And the picture just like weirded me out of them, of her just like laying on the couch with him. Like it couldn't oh, even that been That seems like, like kind of a sweet picture. I think yeah, that. if it That's was just picture. that picture. Right, that if that if it was that. If it was a post about her with yeah. that picture, you could be like, This is sweet. Yeah, but this like, is okay. sweet. You're He's, you're you're he... putting the end of the relationship. Are we supposed to be calling uh, Brian, by the way? Uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it, it's it's sweet, but outside of that, uh, it's weird, man. Beyond me, very weird, very weird. But it definitely comes off to the men I got to share the quarterback room with every day: Matt, Nathaniel, Luke, Jordan Love, and Kurt Bankard. You guys made every day so much fun, and I'm thankful for the daily laughs and stress relief you brought me every week of the year. I love you guys. Well, that reads as I'm not doing it any longer, right? Like that's what it reads as. To me, I feel like he was like on so much wine that night or something. Painkillers, like, yeah. maybe. Like, and just like wrote it. Got really emotional. Just it. got really all in his feelings and just started rambling. Just started rambling in this one. But it was a lot of effort put into something that was just yeah. rambling. Very weird. That was a lot of effort. 
All right. Uh, thank you for your uh, breakdown of uh, Aaron Rodgers' social media post. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's very, it's very important. <laughs> Just like the eyes, right? <sighs> so weird. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about things that are important. Always appreciate our conversations with uh, our next guest. Of course, he knows more about the uh, the Ravens' salary cap situation than everybody, anybody on the planet, except for you know the people in the room. And sometimes I wonder if he might know more. Uh, you see him on Twitter at Raven Salary Cap. Read his stuff, RussellStreetReport.com. He's Brian McFarland. He's back with us now here on GCR. Brian, what's going on, brother? How are you? How's everybody doing today? Everything is good, man. I was uh, I was looking over your breakdown the other day of exactly where the Ravens are, and I, I guess let's start generically before we get into to you know individual conversations. It feels like generically the Ravens are in a pretty good place with reasonable things that can be done if they were to so choose to spend a little bit of money this offseason? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously tighter than they would like to be. You know, if the cap, if, if the pandemic didn't happen, and, you know, there's going to be $30 million more in cap right. space they have, give or take. So, But that would be that way for everybody else, too. Yeah, well, well true, absolutely, right. absolutely. And, I, you know, that's the way they were planning their cap in the last two years, obviously took a big bite out of them. Um, so, you know, they had to restructure a bunch of deals, um, which would, you know, unfortunately took away cap space this year and, and in the future years as well. So, yeah, I mean, right now they're, they're in a pretty good place and this year is different than last year. Last year, they didn't have a lot of flexibility. The cap was much lower and they didn't really have a lot of candidates to restructure or extend, um, which, which, which made it really difficult. So this year they've, they've, they've got... I mean, right now they're you know they're not they're sitting on an okay number, but they definitely have the ability to create space. What is the first thing? Like, if you had to bet, the first move you see the Ravens make this off season will be what? Um, I would think it's either going to be the retirement or the release uh, of Villanueva. Yeah. I, I think you know. I think he's. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any way they're you know they're paying him the the money that he's due and. Um, you know, obviously he he struggled mightily last year, and he did. He, at the end of the year, he sounded like a guy who wasn't sure he wanted to play anymore. So now maybe that's changed since then. But I think that's that's six million dollars in cap space, so it's a nice chunk of change for one release. Um, so that 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 right there looks like the first move to it, make. It's always awkward to admit that you made a mistake, but the only thing that you can do that's worse than admitting you make a mistake is not admit that you made a mistake, which would right, be that exactly. situation. Um, and there's no doubt. That's just simply the way that it has to go. It, is there, you know, I, I have been confident. I feel like there have been a lot of people around town who have been convinced that Marcus Peters wouldn't be back. It has always seemed to me like, I, I get it, you know, the injury sort of complicates things. You you point out an extension that Marcus Peters works with you being in a good place and being in an advanced age, now coming off an injury to boot. I have never thought that there was significant risk to Marcus Peters not being back. Is there maybe more risk of that than I think there is? No, I don't think so. And obviously, both uh, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta spoke very glowingly of him. Obviously, if they want an extension or you know some adjustment, that you know that's the devil's in details. And if they can't reach you know reach a mutual decision, then you know maybe it becomes more. Uh, more of a possibility, but obviously they missed him greatly last year. I mean, uh, yep. it was so obvious. Um, and um, now I, you know, I, I might have been the one to sort of uh, draw people to the idea that he might be released because last year when they restructured his deal to create cap, cap space, they did not do a max restructure, which led me to believe that, you know, if they were going to release him or couldn't reach an agreement on extension and had to release him, 
they didn't want to put more dead money on his cap number. Um, so that was probably, of course, I pointed that out, you know, back in March of last year before he got hurt and before we saw how how much he was missed. So I, I don't think well, the way they've spoke, and obviously they've they've spoken of other players very highly, and then you know, sorry, but the numbers didn't work out, so we couldn't keep him. Uh, but I think in this case, um, you know, and it's probably a good spot to get an extension. Of course, you know, you don't know about the injury, and obviously they had a you know more than more than a few players this past year they expected back that didn't make it back. So I guess that's a that's a concern, but it might be a good spot to be able to get a decent contract uh, worked out for both sides. Brian McFarlane at Raven Salary Cap. Russell Stewart report. He's with us here on GCR. Brian, the, the overall impact, you know, as, as we continue to sort of be stagnant as far as the Lamar Jackson situation is concerned, right? There's just no known movement whatsoever. What is the overall reality of the impact of not cap-wise of not getting a deal done this offseason for this year for the next couple of years? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, for the long term, starting with that, um, you know, if they don't get it done now, he's a pending free agent, uh, you know, come come this time next year. Um, and then obviously you're looking at probably franchise tagging him, which, you know, that next year is going to be so, 35. Yeah, that's million, a rough number. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's, um, you know, that's a big chunk. Whereas, you know, if they get him done this year, next year's numbers, probably a little less than that. And then, uh, with the bigger numbers coming in the year three or four or five of the deal. Um, so, I mean, it, it not only affects this year, but it affects next year. Now, obviously, they can tag him and still work something out. Um, and, you know, sometimes those kind of deadlines do, you know, do spur actions, but it also puts it at a, a much higher uh, level of, of, of dollars that you're looking at. Um, so that's kind of the long term. The short term is, if they get a deal done with him, he's got a $23.106 million uh, contract this year. And um, if they extend him, um, they can probably drop that, you know, 10 to $12 million Or I mean, obviously, it depends on what, what other moves they're making and how much cap space they need. But they could certainly create a pretty ample amount of cap space. And then maybe they're guys that you might want to, you know, you might want to keep around, but you have to release um, because you don't have that, that that cap space. It seems like, again, just from a practical standpoint, it, you can't force somebody to do it, but it seems like it really behooves them to be as aggressive as, aggressive as possible to try to get the deal done. And, and, and frankly, Brian, it's why I've said all along, I've always believed they were going to get a deal done this offseason. It's just that sort of the very nonchalant way it's been discussed is starting to make me wonder about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would have I would have thought last spring they done but then cap being so much, it was going to be kind of hard to do uh, to get him the kind of bonus, signing bonus he would need. And certainly by the end of the year, they ended up with only 300000 in cap space. So it was, would have been hard to do last year after pretty much other than Hump, uh, other than Peters, pretty much Max restructuring everybody. So right. I absolutely thought this year it would get done. This is, you know, this is the time they got Stanley done uh, you know, um, two years ago. And so, you know, it's kind of that time right before that, that big, big number comes in for the fifth year option. So, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Tacosta said it, you know, the balls in Lamar's court. I don't, you know, you can, you can only guess whether Lamar, you know, thinks they're not offering them enough. I mean, that's the only thing I can figure right. is he's asking for way more than they're offering. Um, and it, you know, I, that, that, 
you know, everybody's talking about he should be in the, you know, roughly 40 to 43 million per year number. So I'm not sure how far off somebody has to be unless he's shooting for, I want to be the highest paid. And I want to be be a 50 million. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, then yeah. I mean, and you know, then you have to wonder, I mean, if that's the case and he never comes off of that, then you're looking at, you know, finishing out this year under the deal and, you know, a a tag next year and probably a tag the following year. And that, that's a serious impact. I mean, like that really hurts you in a way that, that, that it's a tangible, we won't be able to do other things if we have those types of of figures on our cap. Yeah. In the next couple of years. Yeah. Three or four years down the road when the TV money comes in and the cap kind of explodes, you're able to handle those, you know, those numbers, and that's what is con- that's what a contract would right. be like. It would be a little easier, you know, much easier this year, higher next year, and then the big money would come in in those those back those back years. Brian, because of your knowledge of all this, I want to, you know, you get this all the time. But for our audience, I want you to, when you hear somebody say, "Well, you can never play pay any player this amount of money because it sucks up too much of your cap, and you know, it's just not a good way of doing business." How do you respond, you know, again, to the, the mouth breathers that, that say things like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, they, they point, well, you know, what was the last highest paid quarterback? Because, you know, Brady always took less money and, and Stafford actually wasn't paid that highly this year because you know, Detroit paid most of the freight and the, and the signing bonuses and things like that. But, but you also see guys like Aaron Rodgers, who hasn't made the Super Bowl recently, but is getting paid handsomely. Um, so, I mean, you, yeah, you have to be more creative, but it can certainly be done. Um, and you know, I mean, I mean, you know, when was the last rookie rookie deal that, uh, you know, I guess Mahomes was probably the last one, uh, to be on a rookie, still on his rookie deal to win the Super Bowl. Right. So it can be done, um, but you gotta be creative and you are going to, you are going to have to cut corners here and there, but as the Ravens have always done in their history, you have to draft well. Yep. Um, and you know, and, and then, you know, the, the Rams, people looking at the Rams now, you got to go all in, you got to go all in. Well, you look at the Packers and they've gone, they certainly went in all in this year and now they're 70 million over the cap or whatever it is. Well, that might be the same. I don't think the Packers are that high, but you know, but you, know, you got to be able to structure your deals correctly. And unfortunately the Ravens the last couple of years had to do things that they didn't want to do like restructures. Um, you know, so that, and especially when you have, a, uh, you know, Ronnie Stanley situation where, you know, you restructured him and now he's hurt and, you know, he'd be a good restructure candidate this year if he was healthy. Um, but now you, you know, you, you know, not sure you want to go down that road. Oh, it's, it's very difficult to do right now. Okay, can we, can we talk a little bit of that, that generically, Brian? Cause I feel like it's been a theme that I've come back to a lot that to me, so much of the story of the 2022 Baltimore Ravens is going to be about Ronnie Stanley. Because when we talk about players that are soaking up so much of your cap that aren't performing, I, 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 that's where it becomes very difficult to me. Like if Ronnie Stanley can't be Ronnie Stanley again, it, it is very difficult for me to come up with the blueprint for how this team wins a Super Bowl without that given how much money he's talk we're talking about given how the the significance of the position from a and I don't have an equation in front of me that explains this but like it just comes off very much like it is hard to fathom a way that this team can mathematically you know put together the roster they need to win a Super Bowl that doesn't involve Ronnie Stanley maybe not being Ronnie Stanley but being something at least close to Ronnie Stanley again 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's whether that's something they're going to have to address in the draft, whether, you know, that's a, a guy that they can plug in there if need be. Uh, certainly there's nobody on the roster right now that uh, I think you would feel comfortable no. with. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we can talk about Juwan James, we can talk about Makari, but uh, they aren't, you know... Um, High-level left tackles, right? No, right. no. So I think that's where... Early in the draft, um, you know, maybe it's a you know a situation where as well that was a third round, but where they got Orlando Brown a couple years back, where he could play both sides and he transitioned to the right side very easily, as we saw Villanueva really struggled to do it. Uh, so, um, you know, whether there's a guy they can identify early in the draft, I mean, I think that's I think you're right. I mean, I think that's the the key position. Um, to have to fix. I mean, there, there are certainly other other spots, but fixing the offensive line is, not, I, to me, number one, and certainly the left tackle spot. Having something viable to be able to, uh, to, you know, to be able to play there that you're not, you know, you're not losing so much. And then, you know, then it's a question of, uh, you know, Stanley's future as well. If he comes back next year or can't come back next year, I mean, I think that's probably the answer, but. If he comes back, you know, and is only so so good, you know, only so so, then you're looking at 23. You know, what kind of moves do we have to make, and you know, um, what what do we have to, you know, what bullet do we have to bite if we're, you know, we're not going to be paying him, you know, 12 million dollars if he's if he's so just a so so player now. Yeah, it it really does seem to linger kind of over this franchise right now. Um, th- there's a name, and I, I know it was on uh, your breakdown at Russell Street Report, and it's something that's come up a few times, and I get it. You know, he didn't have maybe the, the best season of his career, but I, I, do, do you genuinely believe the Ravens move on from Sam Cooke at this point? No, I mean, I, I, the only reason, I mean, Sam, his name has come up to me for the last five years. Sure. I mean, everybody always wants to cut him, you know, and and there's there's some cap savings there. This is probably the year that there's the most cap savings. So that's why I threw him on there. And to be honest with you, he, he was last year was a down year yep. for him and he's, he's getting older. So, um, and you know, we did see they were willing to move on from Morgan, Morgan Cox last year. So, you know, the, you know, the, uh, not the three amigos, what do they call them? The wolf pack. The, the wolf pack. Wolf pack yes. Right. Yeah. So the wolf pack is not, you know, impenetrable, so to speak. So, um, so I, you know, I threw them on the list because I threw often when I do these lists, I throw names on there that not because I think it's going to happen, but because people want to talk about it. Um, and, and let's see what the, you know, what the numbers are. So, you know, and they don't have an heir apparent. I mean, obviously with, with Morgan Cox, they did have an, an heir apparent in place. So uh, unless, you know, they got a lot of draft picks, you know, if they throw a six round pick on a, on a punter, I know. Well, that changes. And what's things, the, what's the kid from San Diego state that can punt the ball like 90 yards. <laughs> yeah. that everybody's well, in love he's with. probably going, yeah, he's probably going higher than the six. Yeah. Rounds, six, right? yeah, yeah dude, they, it's unreal. He's one of their five fourth rounds. Who knows? Don't know? get me wrong. Right. Like if you can get a dude that can punt the ball 80 yards, I'm listening. Yeah. Right? yeah like, exactly. I'm, I'm listening. Although we don't right. know, I don't know enough about whether or not he can, you know, the situational punting that Sam Cook has handled quite well. Right. And then can, you know, is he a holder? And obviously right. that's a big, that's yep. a big deal. I mean, the long snapper is a big deal, but the way Cook can get the ball down and the way he and, and uh, Tucker work together, obviously is a huge um, sort of an underrated thing about him, even though it's talked about a lot, still, I think pretty underrated. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't envision that unless, like I said, they, you know, they they if they had an heir apparent they had a guy 
mean, I, you know, if they had a punter on the practice squad all year, for they would have him there for a reason. But yep. in this case, I, I don't think that's. Yeah, and, and, I, I think it's unlikely. I probably tend to agree with you. Although, again, might be the type of person you could go, go back to and 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 say, hey, can you work with us to 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 make this figure work? And I'm not, I I don't know what that looks like exactly, but it might very well be that the relationship is at that point where they that maybe he could help them out in some sort of capacity. Yeah, and I mean they could extend him too. I mean he's you know he's at the he's at the back end of his deal, so uh, you know if they feel another adding you know he's he's good for another year or two, then that everybody you know they can they can reduce that number a little and keep everybody happy. Anything else that 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 isn't on your list, but you say, look, man, I don't think this is impossible. Like I I don't think that there's an impossibility that they could do something like this. Um, whatever it is. And I don't even know. The problem is there's not a whole lot of other places where there are savings that can be had. Right. So I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's really, I mean, there's, you know, there's, I guess one would be, well, I guess two, we'll, we'll, we'll do two. Um, what they, how they feel, and this is injury related, but how they feel the recovery for Nick Boyle is going to come. Okay. Um, now his is his is a little more tricky because he has an injury guarantee for part of his base salary, uh, if, and of course that means if he can pass a physical, they can cut him, um, and then get the and get you know basically three million in savings. So he's got a seven million dollar cap number. If he's injured, he can't pass a physical at this point. They can't cut him, um, and that that three million dollar injury guarantee stays in place, and it's just it's it's he's seven million on the cap or seven million off. So. Um, you know, they would save two million in cash. You know, and sometimes you got to consider the cash part of it too. But that's not a lot. So I don't think him him so much. But uh, Derek Wolf would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, was hurt all last year. Um, he has no guaranteed money left. It's only a two hundred thousand dollars savings if they cut him. So obviously, it's not a move for cap dollars. But his two million dollars salary, it's cash. And if they don't feel like he's going to come back and you know and give them two million dollars worth and obviously you know two years ago he was well worth two million dollars but um this past year with you know he's coming back not coming back coming back not coming back you know so that's i think it's a you know that that's one place it's 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 minor obviously uh and that's not really a cat move it's just you know he's not worth that money obviously Tavon young's been talked about a lot that's that's another place where there's uh, you know pretty substantial cap savings um, and he's, you know, he's being paid pretty handsomely as far as a almost $6 million salary. So are they willing to bet that $6 million on him staying healthy all year? Right. Because obviously his track record is not so good. And, and, that, and mitigated, of course, by the fact that he played fairly well a year ago. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you yeah. know, he was, he was helpful. Maybe not the number he was being paid, but he was helpful. Right. Like, you know, so, and... Yeah, the, yeah, it's the cornerback position in the NFL, and it's difficult right, right, to get yeah. rid of a helpful hand when you're talking about exactly. that type and of position. a guy they could go to and say, "Hey, let's take you know, we'll give you a pay cut, we'll add some incentives so you can earn it back, but we can reduce that cap number." I mean, you know, that's that's certainly a guy that, that you know there's a possibility there for as well. But yeah, otherwise there's really not. I mean, it's it's really in most of these, it's really a question of performance. Yep. You know, yep. are they worth the cash? To be honest with you, yep. you know. Uh, versus any kind of real cap savings. Brian McFarlane, of course, at Raven Salary Cap on Twitter is how you follow him. You see all of his stuff at RussellStreetReport.com. Brian, is there anything else I can plug for you, my friends? 
No, no. Um, I'm, it's going to be until signing start and cut start. It's gets a little bit of a dead period. Yeah, right that's now. that's why we all freak out about eyeball emojis. Um, we right. I, I went on a I went on a rant earlier. I, by the way, I heard, I heard, what what, yeah. what do you what do you make of the Zadarius Smith thing? Like, if he becomes available, do, I I I think there's still probably a market for him. I mean, I get that he only played a game last year, but. I think there's a market for him. If there is, my gut would tell me that probably isn't the route for the Ravens to be spending real money on Zadarius Smith at this point. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. If there's a market, I mean, this isn't um, this isn't Pernell McPhee coming back. Right. Scenario. I mean, he, you know, McPhee had come off a bunch of years of injury and, and declining performance. Uh, yeah, this is you know, Zadarius is not that situation. So. Yeah, I mean, if you know, and I don't, you know, if his obviously the question of his injury and you know the future, you know, things like that. If it's going to be something that lingers and he's lost explosiveness, I honestly don't. I can't even remember what his injury was. Um, it's so funny you say that because I can't either off the top of my head. I'll tell you in one second. But yeah, I'm. I'm I, I just. Look again. If we get to the point where there's no market for him, you know, like yeah, sure, let's have. I'll have a conversation yeah. about much of anybody at that point. But yeah, it, it, absolutely. If there's a real market for him, I I, I don't know. I, I just don't. I just don't know if that's going to end up being the case. Um, yeah, because we get into the you know you get into the you know are you know where where can they find cap space and where are they going to need to cut corners and if you're looking at a paying him ten million dollars a year over the next you know per year over the next three or four years, I don't think that's a place they can go. I think that's where they, you know, they look to the draft to, you know, right. uh, get an edge rusher. Uh, you know, now, you know, they, they, every, you know, every once in a while they surprise us with an Earl Thomas kind of signing and God forbid that thing happened <laughs> the way that ended up, but yeah. you know, so, maybe yeah, not a so name they, we should you know, use they, any longer. Maybe we should yeah, retire no. that name. By the way, it was, it was back surgery. And I do need to point out, he did return to play in the playoff game. So he actually played in two games technically last okay. season because okay. he did return to play in the playoff game after the back surgery. Okay. Well, then that's the NBA. So that I would think that even, I mean, that proves even more that he's, he's healthy enough. Yep. So yep. yeah, I would think there's going to be a pretty decent market and I would, I would have to think he's going to be looking at, you know, I mean, he's only, is he 30? Is he he'll be, just turning he'll, 30? He's, he's, he'll be 30 in September, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. you know, he'll be 30 next year. So I, I got to think he's looking at a, a $10 million a year contract or somewhere in that, you know, somewhere in that range. And I, I you know, yep. as much as I'd like to have him back, I, I don't see that. I tend that, to agree. playing here very well. Tend to agree. Brian, always insightful, man. Really greatly appreciate uh, you, you taking the time for us as always, dude. Let's do it again uh, as we get Absolutely. further into free agency, man. Thank you so Sounds much. Good. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Brian McFarland, Raven Salary Cap on Twitter. Incredible insight about that side of what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I get it. There's $2 million you can save with Sam Cooke. I, I see why that's appealing. I just, boy, unless I know I've got that kid that's punting the ball 90 yards out in San Diego, I'm I'm not. I, I get it. By Sam Cooke standards, it was kind of a down year. We still saw in moments exactly what Sam Cooke is capable of doing, and so I'm not in a rush to move on from Sam Cooke. Uh, John from Little Rock uh, uh, on YouTube says, Rodgers is whack now, or maybe has always been this way due to something some people need to back off the social media from time to time. I would agree that we all kind of need to maybe back off social media a little bit. I would agree with that. And, yes, I would also agree that Rodgers has become kind of a whack. It's just still by every standard, everything about this is weird. Like, And it's a different kind of weird than when than eyeball emojis, right? Like eyeball emojis in general, I don't blame Darius Smith. He put some eyeball emojis out there. It's not his fault that everybody's running around with them. This is a different type of weird. This is, to, to Cass's point, this is old white guy weird. This is... 
you know, dude that that's like listening to a dashboard confessional song, sitting around on a on a Monday night, feeling away and thinking that you need to share it with the world, and like it just doesn't every level of it. Like if I'm one of the people that's involved, I'm like, dude, this is this is weird, man. Like y'all, the first thing I would text back is, are you okay? Like that would be my risk. if I knew Aaron Rodgers. The first thing I would be texting back after I see that post is, are are you all right? Like you got somebody in your life that's a vague booker. You got somebody in your life that posts things where you're like, at first you went through the are you okay phase, but you got so sick of it because they just kept doing it that you eventually said like, I got to tap out, man. Whatever. Just, just the people that that will post on social media. Going through a really tough time right now. I I, I would, you know, I, please respect my privacy. Then don't post anything. Right, and I and I, that's weird. That's weird, right? I'm talking about the people that constantly just say very vague things, like that do it every couple of weeks, where they put something vague out there, like, you know, you know the times are tough, or like they just put something out that's very vague constantly. Like I, and I've got, in our group of friends, we have somebody that's this that's this person in our group, and when they first started doing it. You're very concerned, right? Like you're you're like, dude, what's what's going on, man? Do you want to talk about it? Like we love you, you know, it's the type of deal. But at some point, it's like, no, everything's okay. He doesn't want to talk about it. And at some point, after like the fifth one, you, you just can't you can't go back to the well any longer. Then you feel bad, right? Because if somebody's really going through something, you you want to help them, right? Like you don't want them to be dealing with depression, and you're not there for them. But you can only ask so many times. I have relatives like that. Yeah, it becomes too much. Even that, in some way, is less weird than this. I feel like that's like an attention-seeking thing. That's exactly what I think I it is. I feel like that that post made me feel like it was some drunk white girl that like was sitting on her couch, just her telling you crying, everything, telling right. her about like her boyfriend in middle school a- or something. Everything, but it was everything about my life. I'm just dumping in everything about my life into one Instagram post. Right. And so like, weird. It's one of those things too where the people are like, you're like really close with them and you'll ask them and they won't tell you anything but then that night they'll like post a picture of like a black screen and be like, going through it right now, like <laughs> don't hit me up and I'm like, what are you, like what is going on? If like, you're depressed, I need to talk to you and make yeah. sure you're okay, right? Like if you're just trying to get attention, that's a different conversation. And it's awkward because you don't ever want it, like you, you hate the thought of like somebody you know, we, I don't want to be dark, but someone committing suicide and, and you weren't there for them. Like, you want to to be there, but there's a there's a line where, like, if we keep doing this, we keep playing this game, I don't know how many times I can keep coming like back. like the boy who cried wolf, you know? Like, you right. don't know how to take seriously at, the, at that point. Uh, let's not be as dark. Uh, um, John from also followed up. I'm all for the draft lottery. Uh, it's a great way to reward the picks. He's suggesting it in the NFL. The NBA was light years ahead on this deal. It should be used in the NFL as well. It's very tricky for me, right? It's very tricky. I said this three years ago. I'm actually in favor of it. It feels punitive because it, locally, because of all the crap, people are pretending like the Orioles are the first team that ever did something like this, right? right? Like, So we've gotten in our feelings about that because people are on Twitter making fun of the Orioles as if they're the first team that's ever tanked and gone through a rebuilding, um, which is not the case whatsoever. Of course, we've, we've, we've got a blueprint. This is... This is how other teams have rebuilt, which is no guarantee that it's going to work for the Orioles, as I say all the time. Um, I was all for it. I just thought there should have been a, a, a ramp, an on-ramp for when you start it, right? The teams that three years ago looked at the Astros and looked at other organizations as a blueprint and said, well, we should do the same thing. The best thing for us is to be terrible 
stockpile talent, and then once we have that talent ready to then spend accordingly, they shouldn't be punished arbitrarily because now's the time you want to get rid of it. I would still argue, whatever this looks like, whatever they agree to, they should give maybe a three-year on-ramp. Hey, for the next three years, we'll still do worst team gets the number one pick. But three years from now, understand, get it all out of your system because we're not doing that any longer. Why even wait three years? I understand not doing it this year, but not, why, why not start in 2023? So, for the, you mean for the 2024 draft? No, I mean for the 2023 draft. I would not do it for the 2023 because there's teams that have made decisions based on an old set of rules mm-hmm. that are not prepared that, like, you, to walk in now and say, well, now you got to go compete. Well, the, the majority of the money's been spent. There's only so much that's even left out there once baseball begins again to spend money on. You are what you are. Mm-hmm. And you, you made your decisions based on a previous set of rules. So to suddenly throw in, ha, pulled the rug out from you, we're changing the rules, that's not fair to the teams that have made the decisions based on what the rules were. I, so, I, I get that. I would just say that, I mean, especially because there's a number of free agents that are still out there. Like when, they, when there are some, but it's not the bulk of them. It's, right. There's some. It's I. I you're, you're basically saying we're going to force you to try to go spend money right now on whatever's left, and that's not. Again, that's not a fair thing to yeah. do in the middle of. You started playing the game. Now we're changing the rules in the middle of playing the game, and you've got to catch up. Mm-hmm. If the rules were going to change immediately, you might have made a different decision at the beginning of free agency as to what you were going to do. It's it's just not inherently fair, and I get it. Somebody would say, "Well, it's not fair to to not try to win." That's a different conversation. The rules were set up to benefit teams to not try to win. Mm-hmm. Now you're changing the rules, which I'm okay with. I'm telling you, I I don't like inherently. I don't like the idea. in In American sports, we want to believe that everybody's trying to win constantly. I get it. In European soccer, we tie. Like that's different. And actually, technically, sometimes it happens in football too. Um, but like in in American pro sports, we want to believe that everybody is constantly trying to win, and they should try to win. We don't want to believe, and it, to make it very clear, even teams that are tanking, the players that are on the field are trying to win, right? Like the organizations might not be trying to win, but the players that are on the field are trying to win those games. Everybody should be attempting to, and I am in favor of that. But the rules weren't set up for that. So if you're going to change the rules, I'm good with it. You just got to allow for a grace period. And if you want to say, okay, we'll give you one more year, I don't know who the example of this would be. For the Orioles, it was going to be a five-year tanking plan. Like it was going to this, this no, and I tried telling people that from the get-go. This notion that it was going to be this quick thing, they were going to be really bad for a prolonged amount of time. The Astros were really, really historically bad for a prolonged amount of time. It's not one to two years. So it's not the Orioles. I don't know who it is. I, I don't. I'd Maybe to, like the Nationals or something. I don't know if that was the Nationals' plan. You know, and I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan was. Um, I, it's hard to imagine that because they were apparently trying to spend. What was the amount of money that Soto turned down? Thirteen for three. Three fifty. Yeah, I yeah. can't fathom a team was attempting to spend that amount of money and then planning to tank. Like yeah. I just don't think there's any possibility of that. Right. But you get. I don't know that there's another team that a year ago said. Well, it didn't work out with this group of players. Let's not spend any money. I just don't know who I'm thinking of. If we went through team by team, we might come up with who it is. The mm-hmm. Rockies. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, off Arenado and a, a year or two after they signed him. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. it might be that they're the example of a team that said, we got to go this route. This is the best route for us to try to get back to where we want to get back to. Mm-hmm. And I get it. In general, we don't have sympathy for those teams. We don't have sympathy for someone who's not trying to win. But the rules were set up to encourage you to not try to win. 
So now if you're going to change the rules, I get it. I would just say you need to give an on-ramp for the teams that were working with a certain set of rules to say now you need to comply with the new rules and grandfather things in that way. So I would just say whenever we do it, we give it a year or two, and then in the third year we kick in the draft lottery at that right. point. That would be in order to get through anybody who had made their decisions based on what the, the rules were. As far as the NFL is concerned, I would have no beef with that. It, it's, to me, far less of a problem in the NFL because there's only 17 games. Right. It's, it's not like, again, we think that the, the, the Brian Flores alleges the Dolphins were trying to tank, and all of us had this thought that the Dolphins were trying to tank. But this is football that we're talking about, and your attempt to tank is mitigated by a salary cap. You have to, and a, more, sorry, a salary floor. You have to spend a certain amount of money. Not to mention that the difference between the worst team and the best team isn't all that great. I mean, you the, look the, at Bengals the Bengals won four games a year ago, and we're in the Super Bowl this year. Exactly. It's. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in football, but it's not a concern to me in the same way. Could you bring it to football? Yeah, you could. If you're talking about specific decisions that are being made late in the season, because I do think that's where it becomes more relevant. You get late in the season and a team could bring a quarterback back to play but chooses not to because they just sort of identify at that point we're better off losing the game. And you want to say, hey, we'd rather have you have your good quarterback back on the field, and so you want to discourage the idea that you want to try to lose that game? Yeah, I'd listen to that as for why it could work in football as well. It's just not the tanking thing is harder to do on the whole in football than it is in other sports, and I'm not as concerned about it. Um, so it, it's not the end of the world to me if they go that route or not. All right, when we come back in, cast is top five. Then uh, tidbit tubular, we'll get to all that as we wind down a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms after being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. Double A Tournament.org. That's CIAA Tournament.org. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Paul in Ovilando asks, uh, we seem to finally be getting into the home stretch of this three-month coaching uh, vacancy ordeal at Maryland he's talking about. Do you think we'll be getting some rumbling soon, or will it be a bolt out of the blue like when the Ravens announced Kubiak as their offensive coordinator? Um, I think it's totally possible it's going to be a bolt out of the blue. I mean, I, I really do, Paul. I mean, I say bolt out of the blue. I'd still be surprised if it wasn't one of the names that we've been talking about, but I don't think it's going to be the type of thing where a week ahead of time, like we start getting a report that they're zeroing in on a certain guy. I think that as seasons come to a close, like whenever, you know, whoever it's going to be, Kevin Willard, Ed Cooley, Andy Enfield, whoever it's going to be, as those seasons start coming to a close, I think it could happen very quickly where within a couple of days of their season ending, they are suddenly they are the head coach at Maryland. Um, I do think it's going to be a little bit different. I know a lot of people compare the Brian Kelly thing, as I said all along. You've got to be dismissive. Brian Kelly was pretty certain that his season was over. As it turns out, there was a chance going into that final weekend that Notre Dame could have gotten into the playoff, which would have been a sham. But it was only because the certain... A number of things had to go a certain way, and they did, and they still fell short of the playoff. It was such a minuscule chance of them making the playoff that that absolutely factored into Brian Kelly's thinking. If they were the number one team in the country at that point, I don't think there's any chance he bolts when he did for the LSU job. He might still have taken the LSU job, but I don't think he leaves when he did. I don't think anybody's walking away from a legitimate chance to win a national championship. Notre Dame didn't have a legitimate chance to win a national championship. In basketball, things are so much more open that if you're Andy Enfield, I don't think you're walking away. If you're Ed Cooley, I don't believe for a second that you're walking away before the season has come to a close because the accomplishment of making, say, the Sweet 16 is more significant than the accomplishment of being in the the cotton bowl or whatever effing bowl game you are in college football. So I just don't think it's going to play out in a similar way to that. All right. Cassidy's top five. Do it every Tuesday. Papa Cass has a list for this week. Cassidy's top five is brought to you by underdog fantasy football. Football is over, but still plenty of things to be done. Basketball, hockey. At some point we're hoping momentum towards there being baseball again. All of those games, competitions can be – bet on is the wrong word because it's not actually betting, but it feels like you're betting because you can do player props and parlays and things along those lines. Plus, they have the traditional daily and weekly fantasy games available for you. 
And when you deposit up to $100, your first deposit, if you use the code PRESSBOX, we will match it again up to $100. UnderdogFantasy.com. Download the Underdog Fantasy Football app. So this one is 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 you-centric. Yeah, I love me mm-hmm. some me type of situation yeah. we're talking about here. Self-love. All right. Let's see what you got. Except there, some of them might be like more like roasting me, so it's okay. So your, the official title of this is... It's top five like interesting facts that like people don't know about me. Okay, all right. Okay. Well, a lot of people here don't know anything about exactly. you. Exactly, so, so yeah. it works out. But like this is like most people don't. All right, know. all right. Number five. Okay, so I said for number five that I lived in nine different states my entire life. I don't think that's very interesting, Cass. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting if people are inclined to care about you. Right. I don't think it's interesting to the average person. Okay. Right. I think the average person is like okay. I think it's pretty interesting. So name the states. Okay, so I was born in Florida. Yes. Then it was where uh, in Florida? Um, like Fort um, Walton Beach. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and then I lived in South Dakota. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that alone is more interesting yeah. because nobody knows anything about South Dakota, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you asked me to name three things about South Dakota, I'd, I wouldn't get one. My sister was born in England. Is Mount Rushmore in South Dakota? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. Yes. Yes. It's Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. Well, I've been to Mount Rushmore several times. Okay, but was it in South yes, Dakota? Yes. Okay. Yes. The okay. capital of South Dakota is Pierre? Oh, come on. Don't ask Cassidy. me. Cassidy. I've lived in... Cassidy. <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang on. I'm going to get this answer. Okay. The capital of South Dakota is Pierre. Oh, I know more about South Dakota than you do, and you lived there. I was a toddler. All right, next. Next place. Sorry, I'll learn. No, what was the name of the other states? Okay. California. Where in California? Like um, Simi Valley area. Okay, all right. And then I lived in South Carolina. Okay. North Carolina. Where, can where in these states? Okay, easily Spartanburg area in South Carolina. Okay. Um, and then North Carolina, um, Sunshine, like near oh, Raleigh. Oh, right, yeah, area. yeah. Okay, and then um, I lived in Georgia, Kathleen, Warner Robins area. I actually love Warner Robins because it's got the uh, the Air Force Base mm-hmm. and the museum there. Is but mm-hmm. I was I was down. My my grandfather lived in very rural Georgia in a town called Cochrane, um, and there's nothing to do there. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a, a, a I think they finally got a Walmart recently, which is a big deal. Like it was a very big deal in this place. I in fact shared a picture when I was trying to explain to people how rural it was. It was so rural that one day in my 20 minute drive to find a gym to work out at. Uh, I was accosted by two horny goats that were trying to have sex in the middle of the road. <laughs> That's how rural this place was that I was visiting. <laughs> so in, when I brought my kids down before my grandfather passed away and I wanted to do things with them, I had to drive various places. And war- we went to the uh, like the Aviation Museum in Warner Robins, mm-hmm. which was dope as hell. It was very cool. They had an, uh, a former Air Force One there, in fact. like They didn't even like make a big deal about it. I was just walking by like, wait, is that an Air Force One? Holy crap. It was very cool. Very cool. Um, Virginia, which is where I am now, or my family is, which is Stafford right. area. And then Maryland, obviously, I count as another place yeah, that I've lived. That, t- that counts 100%. Yeah. You're so, going to school here. All right, yeah. so those are nine. Next on the list. Okay. Number four. My next one is um, I didn't talk till almost three. Okay. I mean, that's weird. That's weird. Right. It's weird. Interesting. I didn't say they, had to, they were normal. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. You gotta, you're going to have to wow me with okay. this top three. I'm trying. Um... My first date, I went frog gigging. Well, I don't even know what that means. So we, I got questions for you now. Okay. What is frog gigging? It's like hunting, but frogs, obviously. Like you grab 
most people use like the end of a broomstick and put like a nail at the end of when it. When you say most people, most people don't know what frog gigging most is. Most of the people <laughs> that are into it. Yeah, okay, most, most people, people don't that are into it. Don't. Um, wait, wait, say this again. So it's like a broomstick. Yeah. And you put like a nail into it. Yeah. And you go around with a flashlight. Cause you just go so down to the you go, you go, just go, go down to the you go down to the creek. Yeah. You're not just trying to catch frogs; you're trying to kill them. Yeah, to eat them. Right. They taste like chicken. You, which so, like my family hunts. So like. So you've had like normal. frog legs during mm-hmm. your your life. I've never. I don't know. No, that's not true. One time I did. One time I think I had frog legs. I've had a lot. I've had squirrel. I've killed squirrel and eat, eaten squirrel. Tastes like chicken. Everything just tastes like chicken. I dis I disagree with that. Although I'll tell you, rabbit was one that surprised me. Like when I was down in New Orleans and we went to Coops the first time and everybody raved about their jambalaya mm-hmm. and I found out it was rabbit jambalaya. I'm like, there's just no way. And then I had it and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I still have dreams about it to this day. Mm-hmm. Like I still wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats thinking about Coops jambalaya. Um, so rabbit I'm on board with. I don't know if I'm on board in the same way about squirrel. I mean, I don't know if I'm bored it's with not that. like you know it was like a couple times it wasn't like i we go out and we're like oh casual yeah you're Saturday. presenting a very specific like look at what <laughs> the, um, i mean we so i want to know how this went you your first how old were you i was in high school okay and a gentleman asked me out on a date but did I he tell said, you sure. that you were going to go down to the creek and yeah he said are you good with that and i was like Sure. I was like, yeah, I've never done it. Even though I hunt, like me and my family, we have our own hunting land and we go there. And right. It, that part's not weird. There's right. nothing weird about that. Right. Nothing weird about that. Right. But then, and like when I was in middle school, my dad would take me out and we would like hunt squirrel in the backyard and cook it for dinner. So it was like very normal for me to go and just like murder things and eat them. It wasn't like <laughs> unnormal. So like for me, I was like, oh, that's a cool date. Like, yeah, I want to go and do that. That's fun. <laughs> So then we did it, and it was a Very really good weird. date. Very weird, man. Very weird. All right, number two. Okay. Um, oh, I played overseas. Where? I played in Gothenburg, like Sweden, Denmark, like, Copenhagen. With, like when you say played, you like didn't play soccer. for like a team yeah. in Copenhagen. No, 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 I played right, for you like played a with team. With a team in Copenhagen, in yes. Overseas. You didn't like get, you didn't get sold to a, t- a club in Copenhagen <laughs> oh, at no, some point. No, right. no, yeah, I yeah, wish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad way to spend life. Mm-mm. All right. And, and number one. My last one is I, my freshman year of college, I got in trouble and got chased by security. Okay. That's all right. All right. All right. So here's the deal. I want to know. I, 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 I would like to share the story, but I don't know if we should. Right? It's not bad. No, it's actually, it's not like, it's not anything okay. bad. All right. Then what's the story? I pretty much was out with my friend on the men's soccer team um, at like this Mustang stadium. I was just out at the field and it was like, I think it was like a Saturday night or something. And I was just out at the field and we were just playing and the gates were all locked. So me and him had to hop the fence to get out of the area. Cause like our key card wouldn't work to get us out of the locker room or out of the gate. So I had to like hop this fence and climb through the woods and up this hill. And I think they thought that we were trespassing. Cause obviously like, yeah, you were hopping a yeah, fence. We hopping yes, that's the fence. first thought that somebody would so have. So then all of a sudden, like, we got really worried. He went back to his room, and then I, like, security was, like, pulling up. And as soon as I walked in, they were like, don't let her go. Like, don't let her go, whatever. And then, like, I was up till four in the morning being questioned because I thought I was stealing stuff from the stadium. <laughs> and then they called my coach from the, stadium, the next the day. Well, apparently there was someone, like, stealing stuff from the stadium. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. I so, had no like, idea that was thought a thing. I was they were thought I was and they brought like police and everything. And so like, I you ever read the story about the two guys that alleged to have spent the night inside Camden yards. This is a story from a few years back that these guys like wanted to stay in the stadium after it was closed. So they like, hid in a bathroom 
and then they shared pictures of it where they were like they at first it was cool because they're running around on the field and they're like like living out there right. this is the, the stadium that we love and it was cool and then they were like oh no we're really trapped in here like we're really stuck inside the stadium there's no way to get out and they didn't know what they were going to do they oh man it was a famous story because they like apparently went back to where boobs boogs Bar- barbecue is and like found bread and cheese and like made grilled cheese sandwiches like out on the the griddle at bill's at boogs barbecue and wow. Like, just had themselves a night hanging out inside Camden Yards. That's the story. i got to find that story at some point. But that would be cool. Being stuck at Mustang Stadium, I don't think there would be much for you I to mean, do. No. Yeah, I don't think there would no. be a whole lot. And it was snowing, so it was just super cold, and we were just, like, wanted to go, and we had no way out. Like, it was actually really tough. Yeah, it's not great. That's not that's Yeah, not we were great. like, how are we going to get out? So did, you, we, did you get in trouble? Like, really in trouble? Or I was did it more at like, first, and then they were like, because they really thought that, they didn't believe that I was on the women's soccer team. So they were like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, why would I have a soccer bag, cleats, and a ball? Yeah, it seems like. And they're like, did you steal it? I'm like, no, I didn't steal anything. So then, like, they were questioning me in the lobby of my dorm room till four in the morning. And then my coach, they ended up calling my coach and telling her that, like, and, like, asked, and she was like, yeah, that sounds like her. Like, that that's probably her just playing soccer at night. Like, nothing serious. But it was just like the hard part is it took us an hour to figure out how to get out of the place because like we didn't know where to go. So I ended up having to climb over this fence in the far distance and climb through the woods, which was terrible. Yeah, it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of work for like, yeah, nothing. a real lot of effort like, that had to be involved. Never did it again. Like, what do you mean? They never did it again. You never like, stayed. Never wanted. Like, never oh, okay. do that again. All right. All right, fair enough. Had no idea. This was okay. Mm-hmm. This was okay. Mm-hmm. The lists are best when we can generate more conversation out of them, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's why I think they're more broad. Like, like this was good. The stories are all right. Frog gigging is very interesting. I'm very interested you in frog gigging, it. right? But it's the, be- the li- best list to me are the ones we can generate more conversation mm-hmm. from and talk about and, like, debate and all those sort of things. Okay. So, this is okay. This is okay. It'll be better. That's what I was asking for. There's a lot. Well done. Well done. There's still well more done. to come. Thank you, Cass. I appreciate it. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets returns tomorrow morning, 11.30 a.m. Do it every Wednesday at 11.30. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Get you ready for betting for the week. Bruce Billick from the FanDuel Sportsbook will join us, as well as Aaron Oster from VEASAN tomorrow morning and every Wednesday morning at 11.30 for Simply the Bets. I guess I should just go ahead and say Live Casino Hotel, FanDuel Sportsbook, best place for you to bet, 51 self-service kiosks. The great food at Sports and Social. Every major event, you're going to want to be there. Live casino and hotel. All right. So at 21 and 7, Towson, Towson men's basketball is on the verge of the best season in team history. It's a far cry from the first season under Pat Scary when the team finished the season 1 and 31, including a 1 and 15 conference record. The next season, Scary led the Towson Tigers to a record of 18 and 13, an improvement of 17 and a half games. It is considered to be the largest single season turnaround in the history of NCAA Division I basketball. Ohio State improved. I have a list of four teams. We don't need to get into the four teams. Okay. Improve yep, better. I'm good with that. Um, Towson is the only local D1 school with four players currently averaging double digits. And a fifth player is just on the outside looking in with 9.8. Who are those five players? Say that one more time. So they have five players mm-hmm. in total yep. that are averaging 9.8 points yep. per game or more. Four mm-hmm. of them are averaging 10 points mm-hmm. per game. Who are the five players averaging that much? Uh, it's uh, Thompson. It's Charles Thompson, yes, 10.6. It's uh, Gibson. Gibson, yes, 10.1. It's Timberlake. Yes, at 14. And it's... Um, I want to say Terry is at like 9.8. I want to say he's just underneath. That's the, Terry Nolan, yeah. 9.8. You have one more at 13.8 points per game. And it's... Um, 
Is it Rizzuto? No. The other one is... Why am I why am I suddenly blanking on this? I know this answer. The other one is Oh, it's a Holden. Yeah. Cam Holden. Cam Holden. 13.8. All right. Uh, here's coming up totally tubular wise. Tubular is brought to you by the CIAA tournament, which is underway today at Royal Farms Arena. Uh boy, six games. Six games today in the CIAA tournament at Royal Farms Arena. And then uh, throughout the week, events not only the basketball, but events throughout the, the area, the convention center, step shows, just a huge cultural event, uh, the CIAA tournament. Get your tickets right now, ciaatournament.org, in order to get yours. As we mentioned, uh, all those games are also available on ESPN+. Plus Right now, the Claflin and the Virginia Union women are playing. Then at 2.20, the Winston-Salem State women in St. Augustine's. At uh, 4.30, Shaw and Virginia State on the women's side. Then the men's games tonight. At 640, Virginia State and Claflin and Elizabeth City State and Bowie State, the hosts of the tournament tonight at 850. Big Ten hoops tonight on ESPN, Michigan State, Iowa at 7. Big Ten Network for Nebraska Northwestern at 8. Uh, all the rest of the college basketball, find it at glennclarkradio.com. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Islanders Kraken at 10. Champions League this afternoon on CBS, Chelsea and Lily at 3 o'clock. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, Abbott Ele- Elementary at 9 o'clock tonight on ABC. Will Smith is going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live at 11.35 on ABC. Um, American Auto at 8. Grand Crew at 8.30 on NBC. Uh, and I'm sorry, the other ones I was talking about were ABC. And then um, Glenn's a huge NASCAR fan now. Race, Bubba Wallace is a do- documentary on Netflix. If you say so. If you say so. <laughs> Look forward to that. All right, Cass, where can people find you on social media? Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth22, and then Twitter, CassidyButler5. Thanks today to Gary Williams. Thanks also to Patrick Stevens and to Brian McFarlane. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, Drew Forrester will join us. Al Hutchinson from Visit Baltimore, the uh, president and CEO of Visit Baltimore, is going to check in with us. Um, Simply the best stuff and things on tomorrow's program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Um, go whoever. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.